0: Okay, girl, can I start by saying I thought of the perfect way to, like, open the show up. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Tell me your okay. secrets! Listen, okay, so I was thinking this. Like, what if we call it our Game of the Year edition? Or rather, our Gautier. You didn't have to cut me off! I thought it could never happen, I we were nothing! <laughs> I just think that'd be, like, a really topical reference. Um...
1: Mm, So, oh, we're doing our games of the year 2012, actually. Not 2020, yes.
0: 2012, we at the Super Bowl. (laughs) What even is that? Nicki Minaj, girl. Oh, no! I
1: didn't get a Nicki reference! (laughs) Take me off the show!
0: All right. There's our cold open. (laughs) All right. Welcome to Game for Play, a podcast about all things queer in the world of video games, pop culture, and beyond. I'm Lauren Sterner cordova
1: I'm Eric Solis.
0: And here we are. It's the end of the year. Yeah. It's New
1: Year's Eve. We are ringing in the bells. We are about to drop the ball. Well, 2020 really dropped the ball in itself.
0: But, you know, we're gonna drop one more big one.
1: <laughs> one fat <laughs> one, right? Right one in your ears. One fat ball. Yep.
0: Um, yeah, we're here to talk about what else, other than the best games of 2020?
1: Yeah, uh, this is not a, a normal episode. Um, up until now, we've sort of been approaching it as a game, game, one game per episode. We're going to talk about uh, so many games this episode, lots of games, um, regardless of the queer aspect of them. Um, unfortunately, yeah. if that's if that's something you want, then I'm sorry. Um, listen to uh, our episode where. We, uh, rank every villain in JoJo's Bazaar Adventure by how big their dicks are, uh, coming later down the pipeline. Um, but this is our Game of the Year episode for 2020, Lawrence. Um, I, I hate to, I hate to say by asking how was your 2020, but instead I'll ask, how was 2020 for gaming for you? You
0: know what? It's, I feel like people are going to say this a lot, but like, 2020, all things considered, was a very good year for video games. <laughs> so, it was like... a weird one, but it was a good one. It was a weird one, but it was a good one. Um... And, you know, I think, as we've kind of talked about on the podcast before, 2020, I think, is one of those, like, revolutionary year for games where a lot more people got brought into the fold. Um, A lot more people started gaming in ways they hadn't before, Um, whether they weren't gamers before or were. It became a much more, like, social thing. It also became, like, a very personal thing for a lot of people. Like, I know as soon as, like, (laughs) girl, as soon as uh, quarantine hit, and I lost my j o b um all I was doing all day was playing video games and just like using that to like i don't know um help help my brain stay together you know? keep
1: your brain from being so broke <laughs> yeah um yeah it was it for i know yeah for me for a lot of people it kind of it kind of became the primary way of socializing um in terms of you know we can't go out to bars we can't really have a party anymore but we could have a Um, we could have an an among us party we could have a mario party yeah also like
0: movie theaters what are those anymore they don't exist Mm -hmm. so like Mm -hmm. i'll i'll make my own movie cinematic experience with a game yeah Yeah. i would i
1: do know i know you were saying for a lot of people they kind of went into kind of found a way to use games as like a social thing i kind of uh i know you do this a lot lords do i kind of went the opposite direction where i kind of like went and said uh, all right let me find um The last five years of narrative games that I missed, um, things that I can play by myself that don't involve people, so that way I don't Mm. have to, you know, it's so cliche to say games are a form of of escapism, but uh, I think this year more than any, and this year more than any year, this was a year where people needed escapism, because we literally couldn't leave our homes, how else am I going to escape right now unless I... I don't know, invite 10 random animals to come live on my island in Animal Crossing and have parties with them every night, because that was what most of my 2020 was. Yeah,
0: those are my only friends.
1: Those are my only friends. I can't believe we're going to, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about that game later, but it's so Mm -hmm. funny how, like, Animal Crossing has sort of replaced a lot of my
0: social functions. Yeah, very that. Um, Let's talk about um, what this episode's going to be. There's a lot of games. We can't talk about them all. Um as much as we wish, we wish as much as we wish we could. Uh, We are only going to be talking about games that uh, we played. All the games on our list are games that Eric and I or Eric and I have played either collectively or individually. Um, We're also going to be reading some of your um, some of you listeners, your favorite games of the year. Kind of to cover our bases in terms of the games that we didn't pick, which breaks my heart because I don't have a PlayStation 5. So I couldn't play the game of the year. Um, Bug snacks, kind of bug and kind of snacks, you know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's bug snacks woo i can't wait
0: um i don't think i i, I hope no one thinks i'm being facetious about that bug snacks is a game that like i i love it, it with been, my whole heart and I've never i love it with it. my entire being and mm-hmm. i haven't played it yet but but maybe game did. of the
1: year 2021 i mean we should say this list uh not every game on this list is from this year some of them um Particularly, I think a lot of games, because we had the time to, a lot of games that came to be this year were not from the year of 2020, yeah, but still-
0: big year for our backlogs.
1: Big year for backlogs. So I would say a lot of the games that meant a lot to me were ones that maybe didn't come out this year. Um, we're going to yeah. talk about some of those a little bit, um, because I would be remiss to not talk about some of the things I experienced, even though it was not from the year of Our Lord 2020.
0: Yeah, so we're going to be talking about some non-2020 games, then we'll get into some of our, like, honorable mentions, games that didn't quite make our list but almost did, and then we're going to get into it, we're going to talk about our top five games of the year.
1: Ooh, Ooh we can't see, but I'm doing that thing where I run my fingers together <laughs> yeah. like I'm an evil villain because like I'm so excited. evil
0: maniacs. Yeah,
1: so we're just gonna get right to it, then. We have a lot of games. We don't have a whole lot of time for how our week was or all that, all the news, whatever. You didn't even know, need to know if all that. you if you listen to our little Christmas episode, you got our Cyberpunk news. That's really oh yeah, not, it's not as I said in that one. It's not our game of the year, but it is the game story of the year in a way. So listen, if you want us to talk about the debacle that was.
0: Yeah, if you get to the end of this episode and you're like, "Where was the Cyberpunk discussion, girl?" We got girl. That's the we, wrong. We podcast. talked about Cyberpunk. <laughs> And all the different
1: dicks he can have. <laughs> and the one vagina.
0: Listen, okay, also for anyone who doesn't want to listen to me complain about the CD Project Red situation, I will just say, it's a fun game. <laughs> I'm yeah. having fun with it, but it is also a mess. Anyways, that's a little... And it cool. was a
1: fun episode with our beautiful guest, Grant.
0: Yeah, go listen to it. It's really nice. Um, oh, speaking of, by the way, before we get into our games, um, we have our giveaway, or we've had our giveaway for the past week. Uh, Grant made some lovely... Um, figurines for us a figurine of an animal crossing uh isabel yeah isabel meets doom guy as in their bodies are literally fused together as well as two among us figurines uh so the giveaway for that ends at midnight tonight at the, the drop of the end of the year so if you have if you haven't yet um and you're listening to this the day it comes out lucky for you uh, all you have to do is leave us a review follow grant's page on instagram um and then message us saying you did those two things and yep. you may be the winner of one of those little figurines yep
1: we will uh, dm those winners um individually and then later do a little mini announcement once we've um got it all settled who our winners are but i'm so excited people yep. to get fun things giving back for the holidays
0: merry christmas merry everything Merry christmas happy new year
1: happy new year indeed
0: So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's talk first about our favorite games of the year that are not from the year of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ 2020.
1: Okay. Um, Can I go first? Yes. Awesome. Uh, So the first thing I wanted to talk about is something that only came to me, I want to say, maybe only a few months ago. I know, Lawrence, I talked to you about it, and I've even mentioned Mm -hmm. it on the podcast before, Uh, that I played Resident Evil 7 for the first time this year. Yes, Um, And it was, in fact, my very first Resident Evil game. I did not grow up with um, the iconic Resident Evil 4. I had not played any of the original PlayStations. And even though I talked about Resident Evil 7 before, that's not the game I'm going to talk about here. I'm actually going to talk about the game I played after Resident Evil 7, and that was the 2019 remake of Resident Evil 2. Yes. Uh,
0: Which... Lawrence, have, have you have you played this or do you know? I've not. You know, I'm a little baby and I'm not I, I Resident but, but I honestly
1: <laughs> think I would recommend uh-huh. I would recommend this game to you over Resident Evil Seven if you wanted a fun game. I would say the reason I'm putting Resident Evil Two here and not Resident Evil Seven, um, I think Resident Evil Seven uh, overall ended up being a better horror experience for me. But I mm-hmm. think Resident Evil Two is the more fun game. I think it gets the balance of horror and action and puzzle environment storytelling stuff. Um, well, Resident Evil 7 does all of that stuff great. I think Resident Evil 2 as a remake um, and as a game that I, you know, similar to the Final Fantasy 7 remake, I'd never played the original. So I came into this mm-hmm. with... um, With fresh eyes. With fresh eyes that I really loved. I loved the approach they took to this game. I love, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't have the meta commentary in the way that the Final Fantasy 7 remake does. It's not really... But it still is in conversation with itself. It still is sort of commenting on sort of, you know, what what do people expect remakes to be? Because Mm. this game really, other than, you know, the basic map and plot structure, this game is also, you know, rebuilt from the ground up with, um, you know, new character models, new, new dialogue recorded, um, all kinds of environmental details that you could have never gotten before. But I think this game just, it sucks me in. And it's a game that, um, uh, has a lot of replay value to it. Um, has a lot of, you know, changes in the difficulty make it really worth checking out again. Um, and I think it's really it's a really fun little piece of you know gaming history that's kind of been preserved in this new form that I think um, you know I'm excited I got to play because I don't know that I would have ever had I not um, had a chance to play this remake that came out. That's
0: so last dope. Year. Again, similar to um, Final Fantasy VII remake, um, it's not a franchise that I grew up with Resident Evil, but it is one of those franchises that like as a gamer I was like you know aware of, and so like I remember when this game got announced, like being excited seeing like the raccoon city police department logo being like oh shoot like it's really cool that they're remaking this and bringing it to a modern audience um yeah also um what's dude's name in that game uh is it leon uh, leon yep leon he's a sexy man he sexy is man a gun.
1: he <laughs> is a sexy <laughs> man with a gun um as well as uh Claire, <laughs> that the female protagonist that you also play as in this game um yes um not not sure. in the first playthrough but after you play through it one time you do unlock um hers and Leon's like um, character models from the original game. And you can play oh, nice. through, you like, can play like
0: low poly versions, the low
1: poly version. It's really oh, bizarre and really funny to like play through like the dramatic cutscenes and then have their character models replaced with the low poly version while everyone else <laughs> and the environments are like 2019 high res. It's that's funny. so good. Um, so check that out. Not from this year, but um, a game that really uh, meant a lot to me this year. Uh, what about you, Lawrence?
0: So the first game I'm going to talk about, it's weird because it's not a game, or rather they are not games from 2020, but they were games that were released in 2020. Uh, I'm talking about Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which is a collection for Switch in celebration of Mario's 35th anniversary. Uh, they re-released ports of Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and uh, Super Mario Galaxy. And I don't know, I don't want to, like, spend too much time talking about these games, because you probably know what they are. You've heard it's, of
1: Mario. Yeah. It's
0: the Red Plumber, and he's going on his 3D adventures. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm mostly just, like, I'm happy this game came out because... Um, It's just nice to see a Nintendo carry on these games on their new hardware and for, like, a whole new audience of people to get to play them. Like, I'm really excited about, you know, the kids coming up today who never owned a a 64 or a GameCube or even a Wii getting Mm -hmm. to play these, like, really, really incredible, you know, revolutionary 3D platformers.
1: Especially Mario Sunshine, which has never had another release other than its original GameCube. um, Yeah, it's been stuck on
0: the GameCube. Um, Yeah, that's the, like... Because 64 has been ported to, like, almost every Nintendo home console.
1: Galaxy, you could have played that on the Wii U, right? It was backwards. Yeah, you could
0: play it on Wii U. It wasn't, like, repolished with Wii U or anything. But the Mm -hmm. Wii U, you know, still could play Wii games. So, like, Sunshine is the game that had, like, kind of been... Yeah, yeah, stranded for the longest time on a a a desert island. island, Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's also personally my favorite 3D Mario game, um, which is a bit of a hot take. A lot of people, like, say it's, like, their least favorite, but... It's personally my favorite. I love that game. I'm an island boy at heart. Um so I love the setting yeah, of that water game. Water Sign. Yeah, and like it's it was so fun to like play that game in like full HD for the first time too. Like they made it widescreen and run in 1080, which is really nice.
1: It goes without saying they hold up, right? Yeah, they hold they, up.
0: They hold yeah. up and like they're worth playing. And if you want to get it, uh get Hurry. it soon. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's that's the yeah.
1: Not really the game of 2020, but you know, past 2020, you might not get a chance again. So hop on it.
0: Yeah. So if you don't know, Nintendo did this weird thing, and they're getting a lot of blowback for it. Um, where rightfully so. Yeah, yeah they like they're saying like, oh, it's part of the Mario 35th anniversary collection. So afterwards, what they're gonna do after the like 31st, I believe, of March of 2021. Uh, They're going to delist it from their online store and they're going to stop providing it to retailers. So retailers are only going to be left with whatever stock they have left. Um, and it's basically going to go into like the Nintendo Disney vault or they're just going to lock it up and not, not have it again, which is really weird. It's very anti-consumer. A lot of people are mad about it. I don't
1: think they're going to do it. I, I honestly think we're going to get to that. And then Nintendo's going to be like, surprise, because of the response, it was so popular. We decided to let it go forever.
0: No, you know what I think they're going to do is like, cause this game is like a three in one collection. I think Mm. what they're going to do is they're going to release all three of the separate games. Oh, and you can pay pay like 20
1: each for all of them. Yeah.
0: Um. Mm. Which is weird, but, like, and if you're gonna do that, then just announce it, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's weird, um, but it's worth picking up. But Nintendo's up a, a weird company, and they do weird yeah. stuff all
1: the time, so it really yeah. should be expected.
0: <laughs> but, like, I hope they don't keep doing this, because they also did this recently with, like, the original Firebloom game, which they just ported to the Switch. Um, they're doing the same thing, where it's, like, a timed, uh, timed thing, and after a certain amount of time, it's not gonna be on the store anymore. So, like, I don't like that they're adopting this as, like, a business practice, but whatever. But also, quick sidebar, I accidentally bought a second copy of Mario 3D All-Stars. So, dear listener, if any of you wants to buy it off of me, um, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to scalp it or anything, but highest bidder wins.
1: No, 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 (laughs) Lawrence, what you're going to do, hold on to it until we get to April, and then, and then sell it, and then you'll be able to want to scalp that game.
0: No, listen, I'm not a capitalist. I'm not going to engage in that kind of behavior.
1: Lawrence, this would be
0: so easy. But if you do want to pay me a couple hundred bucks for it, I mean, like, (laughs) you (laughs) know, complaining, girl. Between friends, of course. (laughs) Uh, Work.
1: All right, what's next? All right, moving on from there. um, This is another game um, that me and Lawrence both kind of came to in 2020. Um, We're talking about Outer Wilds, which I know for a lot of people, a lot of... Friends in a lot of publications, their game of the year last year, but I only played it this year, I know Lawrence, you started it end of last year and finished it in the new year.
0: Yes. So um what's really interesting for me is like I put this on my like game of the year list last year at like number four or five because I was like I got like a third of the way through it at the end of last year and I was like, This is really neat, it's really pretty, really fun, has like a lot of cool Mm -hmm. stuff going on and yeah, like put it at four or five on my list and then I beat it like beginning of January and I was like shit can I go back and, like, retroactively make this my game of the year? Because it is so good.
1: What well, if instead we started a podcast so you could talk about it on the game of the year next year instead, how does that sound?
0: Oh, yeah, I'll replay it January 1st, 2021, and then make yeah. it my game of the year 2021. Um. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, what
1: a game. Holy shit. We're, I mean, yeah. I think we've we've said before just off the air that we might do an entire episode on this
0: game because um, mm-hmm. there's a
1: lot to it. Um, this game is something else. I've never played yeah. another game like this before
0: if you don't know basically what this game is it's like an open world like a kind of like a smaller open world game where you are like a person living on or you're an alien on an alien planet and just like mm.
1: civilization far off yeah far away yeah. from ours yeah
0: and you are a space explorer and you like go up into your little rocket ship and uh are just sent to like basically do archaeological surveys of like the neighboring planets which you can like Travel to within five minutes on your little yeah. rocket.
1: Ship. It's a it's an open world game set in the solar system, but there's really only like five or six you know planets to explore, and even those planets are not huge. But um, what yeah. the game lacks in you know um, width, it it, it holds mo- monumental depth to it, which I think yeah. is the reason why it's it's so it's, it sticks in so many people's minds.
0: Talking a little bit like the central crux of the game is like basically you're set like you just wake up at a little campfire and it's like, hey, it's your launch day. You're you're going to explore the solar system for us and like do archaeological surveys. There's like mysteries on each planet to solve. But as you like are exploring, um, you're just going about your business and then 22 minutes into playing the game, the sun supernovas and explodes and you die.
1: And that's the game. Just kidding. And then it restarts.
0: And then you wake up, and you realize that you're trapped in, like, a Groundhog's Day time loop situation. Mm.
1: And then the game suddenly goes from having no objective exploring space to still having no objective other than it figuring out why the figuring universe out is the exploding mystery. every 22 minutes. Um, yeah,
0: figuring out, like, the history of the solar system, mm-hmm. like, an ancient civilization that came before you, and what they have to do with all this.
1: And what I remember, though, is that 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 approach to gameplay like literally there's no there's no quest log you don't get side quests in this game there's not really like a menu system that even holds that kind of information mm-hmm. but, like when i when, when i say when we say the game just kind of says all right go like literally that's it you you get up and you go and you get no direction and yeah i remember being so frustrated by that i remember calling you Lawrence and being like i don't get it with this game <laughs> the mm-hmm. the spaceship especially that you fly in the game oh, is that so is it is so <laughs> unwieldy <laughs> and so difficult and i I, I feel like when I started the game, I didn't even get to see the universe explode for like the first couple of hours because I just was crashing my ship over and over directly again. Directly into the sun. <laughs> directly into the sun or directly so into, the the into the surface of the sun. planet the that I just left. Like, it's nonsense that, yeah. that mechanic. But you then, purposefully so, I think the game is kind mm-hmm. of like, you get better with the wonky controls as the game on, game goes on and yeah. you understand the layouts of planets and the different rules because... Yeah, it takes place over these 22 minutes and like every planet has this 22 minute life cycle that it goes through over the course of the game in terms of you know, it's real time like these planets are orbiting yeah. at, in real speed around this solar system sun. Yeah, the whole game runs like clockwork. Um, Yeah, and the game has a script that it follows every 22 minutes and you can just sort of follow follow any character or any path or anything down you know, this 22 minute loop and then it restarts and then you can go explore a different one and and it's so it's it's so beautiful. I mean, the game It's beautiful. Um, in, the, in what the game lacks in linearity in its story, it makes up for by, like, teaching you an exploration and teaching you rules about the way this universe works, and it's incredible, and I, yeah, we're gonna talk a whole lot about it. Um, But it meant a whole lot to me this year. It's a game that I went from really, really disliking at at the start to, like, being in tears over at the end. Um, Yeah,
0: it makes you think about mortality and, like, our scope in the grand... (laughs) And what are we doing? What are we doing on this little speck
1: in the universe? Exactly. It's one of those games. One of those big thinky games. Yeah. Uh,
0: But go play it. It's fun um n- next i want to talk about a game that is on a lot of people's 2020 uh list um but it is technically a 2018 game and that is among us among who among us honey <laughs> um if you haven't heard of this game it's where huge have you been? Yeah. <laughs> it's huge it's a social like a multiplayer social deduction game where you're like little crewmates running around in a spaceship All of you are, like, given tasks to do, these little mini-games to do throughout the spaceship. Uh, But a couple of you are um, imposters, and your goal is to kill everyone else in the spaceship and try to sneak by without being noticed. Um, And yeah, I mean, like, this game is so fun. It's so pick-up-and-play. I think this kind of goes into, like, my first um, discussion about how this has been a very social year for gaming.
1: Oh yeah, it totally loops back to what we opened with about this game kind of... Made a way for people to socialize in a way that we couldn't this year. Yeah. In a um, way that we wouldn't have had there not been a pandemic. It's sort of a a tool a tool of, of what we're going through right now that came out of it, even though it came out two years ago.
0: Yeah. I reconnected with, like, a lot of friends that I hadn't, like, talked to since college, and we just hopped into this game and started playing, and it was just, like, so lovely to just, like, reconnect with people right off the jump. Yeah, and it's just one of those really great games that, like allowed for that party atmosphere it's very accessible to anyone um it's free on mobile devices so like Mm -hmm. that's made it super accessible to a lot of people as well we Um,
1: love free shit
0: we love free shit it's also like five dollars on pc and uh switch so yeah the other thing i want to say about it is that like it's a social deduction game similar to like mafia or werewolf and those games like usually kind of stress me out a little (laughs) bit like i typically don't love them that much uh but what's really cool about this game is that like I don't find it as stressful because there is the, like, detached element to it where it's like, I'm either on Zoom or Discord when I'm playing this game, so, you're like... You're not
1: in the room. we don't have to, like, yeah. worry about your body language giving you away. Uh-huh.
0: Eric, I'm obsessed with you loudly eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> oh,
1: oh, shit. Like, I thought I it's muted my okay. mic for that.
0: Well, no, but, like, I mean, regardless of whether you muted your mic, you're, like, talking with, like, mouthfuls of sandwich in <laughs> Like it clearly sounds like you have food in your mouth.
1: <laughs> okay, listener, oh, cool. I I told Lawrence before. Well, this is this was gonna. Be, I knew this was gonna be long. I'm a little hungry. If we got halfway through and I didn't have something in my belly, I was gonna be real grumpy and I wasn't gonna be able to make the
0: episode. It's just so funny to me that you were trying. Like you were clearly trying to be sneaky about it. Like you were like, eating the sandwich off mic, but then you're like, yeah, it's like it's really hard to be the imposter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs> anyways that's among us it's really great uh go play it with your friends it's fun
1: or if you don't have friends like me <laughs> have a have a friend like Lawrence about you to play with his friends <laughs>
0: like i just yeah. did for the first time oh yeah you hadn't played this game much until i had you play with my buddies the other day
1: no i played it for the first time with you last yeah. week um it's fun it definitely does it takes a little time to get used to um but uh, yeah like i said yeah there's a though- learning curve
0: to it but once you learn to like pace and lingo of it
1: Even though it didn't affect me this year like it did other people, I appreciate what it's done um, for the gaming landscape and the community. I know this game at the Game Awards won a few things that was... Uh Uh-huh. For a development team of, like, what, three or four people? Yeah. For a game that, like was completely under everyone's radar for two years, and then this year just blew up. Like, what an, what an incredible, like, stroke of luck for those people.
0: Yeah. Um, also, what's really cool about them is that, like, they were originally this year going to, like... They were working on uh, Among Us 2, and were, like, planning to uh, develop and release that. But once this game, like, blew up, they were like, okay, let's shelve Among Us 2 and just, like, work on making this game the best that it can be since it's, like, reaching popularity. So they, like, really listened to their player base and, like... It's such a testament to, like, um, you know, indie studios really celebrating working with their players. So, really cool shit.
1: Awesome. All right. um, Do you want to move on? Those were our uh, best of not 2020, but we can also talk about some honorable mentions um, from this year that maybe didn't make it onto our list just quite. Yes. Um, uh, Who wants to go first?
0: Uh, I'll go first because I have a couple more than you do. Uh, The first one I want to talk about is a little game called Murder by Numbers. (laughs) I played this game on Switch. I don't know what else it's on. Uh, but Murder by Numbers basically is a P-Cross game, uh, which is like a type of puzzler game that I really, really enjoy and love. Um, you basically just have to fill in these grids on a little map uh, using like the numbers on the side. But what it does really brilliantly is it takes the P-Cross game and it adds on like a um, murder mystery story slash Phoenix Wright detective game on top of it.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah, it's really fun and really charming. Uh, the art style is really cool. The music's really chill and laid back. And yeah, it tells us like kind of like campy, uh, campy detective story. That's really cool to uncover. Um, it also has a lot of really cool queer representation. Um, nice. You are like uh, the character you play is this woman who is like this actress in Hollywood on like a daytime soap and her soap gets canceled and there's like a murder on her set. And she like tasks herself with like solving the murder. But she has, like, a lot of uh, friends along the way. Like, her best friend in the game is, like, the show's hairdresser, who's, like, this, like, <laughs> this this like um, British gay hairdresser who's, like, a little bit stereotypical. But, like, it, all the writing's pretty campy, so it's, like, not egregious or anything. Uh, also, like, the third murder in this game takes place at, like, a nightclub in WeHo. Uh, and, like, you have to, like, interview a bunch of drag queens and, like, figure out... Uh, what's going on there. So like, it, like, I love it. Yeah, it like... it. it um... And P-Cross? <laughs> yeah, so that plus P-Cross is a really cool combination. I really enjoyed it. It's really worth checking out.
1: Awesome. I will say one of my honorable mentions from this year. Um, this is a game um, I did want to... I wanted to put it on my list. Um, unfortunately, I haven't beat it yet. And I also am still kind of sussing out what I even think this game Is trying to say you're doing. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. talking about Kentucky Route Zero. Um, If you haven't heard of this game, this is a game that has been in development since 2013. It's actually um, been released in episodes every couple of years. So the first episode came out in 2013, um, and it has sort of continued up until 2020 when they released the fifth and final episode of the game and then also released sort of the entire game series as one game um, for consoles. Um, I'm playing this on the Switch uh, and basically, Kentucky Route Zero is a point-and-click narrative adventure game, um, but it's also not really that. It really doesn't have much gameplay to it. It definitely leans more into the walking sim genre in that it really is just walking, clicking, having character conversations, having dialogue options, and uh, and it's a beautiful game. I mean, the 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 art style, it, it's Kentucky Route Zero, so it's sort of set in, you know, the Kentucky, you know, American South, and the game has a lot to say about um you know sort of like the destruction of the south this is sort of mm-hmm. coming out of the 2008 recession and um a lot of feelings about what you know the american dream has sort of become in the last you know 10 12 years since that event happened um uh, but where the game sort of faults for me and the this is me i'm it's in 5 acts right now i'm in the third act of the game mm-hmm. um it, it works in abstractions more than any other game that i've played in a really long time a lot of the imagery Um, a lot of the character backgrounds and a lot of the information that we get, it's very much like, okay, do I take this at face value or is this a metaphor for something? Or is Mm. this, is this, is this really commenting or is this symbolic for something? And, and I love that stuff. I mean, it's the first comparison I can think of is like David Lynch. who was one of my favorite directors. Mm -hmm. I just think with Kentucky route zero, I'm at the point now where I I don't know where it's going. I don't know. I don't know what it's trying to add up to or sum up to. And Maybe it will. I'm not expecting there to be sort of like a grand reveal of like here's what was going on the whole time. I don't mean I don't I, I don't mean I want answers for what's happening, but I sort of mean I I, I want to know where this is going because the game yeah. is, the game is throwing so much at you and giving you so many things that I'm at the point where I don't know who I'm supposed to root for, where I'm supposed to how I'm supposed to feel about these people that I'm meeting, and we'll see where I go from there.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it- it could be a thing where, like, there's too much imagery and it's, like, trying Mm -hmm. to parse through that. Um,
1: And it's beautiful imagery. That's the thing. It's, like, what mm -hmm. it's giving me is great. It's just... It's so much that my brain is is, is isn't able to make kids or tails, and that's I. And it's hard since I'm still working on it to say whether that's my fault or or the game's.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to play it. I haven't played it at all, but I've heard it. I've heard people describe it as like the next great American novel as a video game.
1: Absolutely, that's exactly what it feels like.
0: Yeah, um, and like novels, sometimes they get boring in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> you just gotta. Yeah, resume. and and
1: the game, and <laughs> you know, I, I love that that novel comparison because the game is literally it's written in this beautiful prose. Um um but it's written as a stage play like the game is written as you know with stage directions as in this person mm-hmm. walks here and it's or, in five acts and it's in five acts yeah the mm-hmm. the 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 game has a very play book story like sort of um timeline attached to it which i really like a lot and i think yeah it's it's while it's not on my top 5 games of the year i do give it a honorable mention for the way it's sort of pushing the way that we can tell narratives in games going forward nice. from here just um yeah I, kentucky road zero it's out on switch steam um all the consoles well who give it what about you lawrence cool i'll keep your honorable mentions
0: um my next game is paper mario origami king uh didn't make my top five but again it's mario it's the plumber but this time he's paper (laughs) (laughs) i played Um,
1: this year also not on my top five yeah
0: yeah yeah it wasn't my favorite game um it got a lot of flack for, like, the combat, which gets, like, really repetitive. Um
1: That would be my biggest complaint, too, is the combat.
0: Also, like, the level design is, like, like as far as what you're doing, like, the dungeons and exploring, like, it has some interesting stuff, but it gets a little bit kind of just, like, you're going from point A to point B. Um, So I didn't really, like, gel with that too much, but it still is, like, a really, really charming game. I love all the Paper Mario games. I think they're... uh they're always just like so clever and fun. Um,
1: They've got a charm that's still there, even even though I don't think these games hold up. Hold a candle to the older ones. There's yeah, definitely the music. I should say also is really yeah. good. The music, the music in this
0: absolutely game. rocks. Um, like I said, I don't like the combat, but the combat music is like one of my favorite tracks mm. of 2020. It's so yeah. good and like it's beautiful. Like I said, it's beautiful on Switch. This is like the first like full HD uh, console Paper Mario game. And, like, all the paper effects are, like, so stunning. The The colors are gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everything is made of, like, this paper craft style, which is really cool. And, yeah, it's got hilarious, really clever writing. And, like, even though the story didn't super land for me, it does really have some, like, really heartfelt moments with some characters. So it's worth playing. I'm going to keep hammering away at it eventually. But, yeah, that's Paper Mario. (laughs)
1: Hammering at it.
0: (laughs) 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 Haha, (laughs) hammering, like Mario does with his hammer that he has.
1: (laughs) Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, Lastly, I wanted to shout out, this was not a game that came out this year, um, but this was actually a group of games that were available earlier Mm -hmm. this year in a bundle. Uh, I'm talking about the bundle for racial justice. Um, If you didn't hear about this earlier this year, um, in the the midst of the Black Lives Matter protests and uh, in the response to the horrific killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor... Itch.io, which is a gaming service similar to Steam. They have a lot of um, indie developers, um, not so much AAA mainstream stuff, but they do a lot of, you know, smaller projects um, that are available on their platform, Um, and they do bundles. You can buy bundles of games together, and they, um, you know, in response to this, um, put together the bundle for Racial Justice, which literally is thousands of games in a bundle for as much as you could pay. I think minimum was five bucks. For this bundle, um, but they estimated it like you know this this is is a gaming bundle that if you were paying for all these games individually it would be in the thousands literally yeah it was a I think it's like seven
0: thousand dollars worth of games and like... Yeah. Uh, game development tools too. Like a lot of game developers, just like threw in like their assets in there, and a lot of cool stuff in that little package. Yeah,
1: and it was amazing. And all of the all of the money um that they raised from this, and I think it was, I mean, do you remember eight this?
0: million dollars?
1: Eight million dollars um, yeah. that all went to um racial justice funds all over all yeah. over the U.S. Um, from they, went to, uh,
0: they went to they went to the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and the Community Bail Project. Uh, split amazing. half and half. Yeah, so four million dollars, like each of those uh organizations yeah it was an incredible moment that just like made me really proud to be a gamer Mm -hmm. and proud to see a community rallying behind rallying behind justice and you know um using the yeah using their money to like uh help make change it's really it was really cool to see oh
1: yeah and like i said this was like literally thousands of games i'm not even close to like (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> having sorted through everything in here, um, but there were quite a few games that I that I really did like a lot that I found in this bundle.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, just to
1: name a few, we have um, one of my one of my favorite little things gems of the year: um, the Democratic Socialism Simulator, which is so basically. Good. Jessica, did you play this Lawrence where you just? I basically, played a bit of it. Yeah. You play the government if, as if it was, you know, Bernie Sanders as the president, and <laughs> surprise, every you can you can do really well. Apparently, um, you can also really fuck things up. But that was fun. Um, We had a game called One Shot, um, A Short Hike, which is a cute little indie game from, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, earlier this year, late last year. Um, 2046 Random Access Memories, which I know is actually a pretty hefty game. I think it even has a physical release for the Switch. Mm -hmm. Um, Night in the Woods is on here.
0: Celeste is on there, too.
1: All kinds of things are on here. Unfortunately, this bundle is over, so even though we're telling you about it now, it is too late. Um, But I did want to shout it out here because I thought it was something awesome that... it was a great
0: 2020 moment yeah
1: a great Mm -hmm. a great moment for like you said for the community of gamers to come together and do something uh good for once uh so (laughs) moving on yeah uh, from there
0: um my last honorable mentions i wanted to shout out a couple mobile games that i really loved um one is called soda dungeon 2 basically it's this little like um it's a simple little turn-based rpg game for mobile that you can like set up as an idle game to like auto run and just like grind and collect loot as you like upgrade this little tavern of adventurers there's not much to it it's just really fun if you want something mindless to play uh the other one is uh good sudoku you've heard of sudoku this is it but it's good (laughs) oh uh this is a game by zach gage uh he um basically just wanted to like make a game that teaches you how to play sudoku really well and also like cut out some of the like tedium that's involved in sudoku so it's really cool. It taught me a lot of cool, like, techniques about how to, like, play the game better. I've gotten a lot better at Sudoku. And it's, like, something that I just, like, play every night when I'm in bed. Uh, of to of all to the
1: games this year that I couldn't play, I'm really bummed. It's not, Um, it's only for iOS. It is not for Android. So I could not oh, play no. good Sudoku. And I heard about this game and I used to be obsessed with Sudoku. So mm-hmm. I was actually very upset that I, I don't have a way to play this as of yet. Um, Work. Fingers crossed for that uh, Android release uh, down the pipelines for good Sudoku. <laughs>
0: um so yeah that's that that's our honorable mentions uh we're gonna take a quick little break and then we're getting into it we're talking about our uh personal or i guess yeah like personal and collective games
1: of the year yeah we'll talk we'll get into it
0: yeah yeah well you'll see And we're back and it's time it's time to talk about our top five games of the year Ooh, i'm so excited <laughs> yeah so um so i'll start by saying like this like my personal top five are gonna be different from what i share here uh eric some of the ones that you picked um would have been like on my list specifically your number two pick would probably take my number five mm-hmm. um but I wanted to keep our lists pretty separate, so uh, I'm going to talk about my number five game of the year, which is Carrion. Uh, <gasps> I'm surprised he played this! I, I This is a kind of spookier one. It's spooky, but it's not. <laughs> the, the the way that... so. It's been described as a reverse horror game, and it's the reverse that's really key for me, because you know I'm a little baby. Uh, But you play as this, like, monster breaking out of, like, a facility and just, like, eating and devouring people. Um, Very,
1: like, John Carpenter's The Thing, like, an an amorphous, like, slob of red and purple, like, veins and meat that has
0: no like, real definitive shape. Yeah. It's very gross. It's a very gross game. It's a very gross game, but it's also all uh, pixel art style. So, like, the gore... The thing for me is, like, with horror games, like, I really can't do, like, realistic gore. Um, But, like, since it's all pixel art and stylized, like, it didn't bother me whatsoever. Uh, But, yeah, it's really cool. Um, I call call it a reverse horror game because that's what it is. You are the monster. You're not the people trying to defend yourselves. And, like, it's just so fun to, like like, travel through these little tunnels of this, like, facility and just, like, fuck people's shit up. And, like, you unlock more powers as you grow throughout the game. And it's just, like, very, very, um very very addictive and satisfying to play. Uh, mechanically, it's, like, one of my favorite games of the year. And that's why I put it on this list.
1: Um, yeah, did you, did you beat it? I didn't play this one yet. Um, I didn't
0: beat it. I think I'm, like, around halfway through it. Um, it's on Game Pass, which is how I've been playing it. Um, and it's also on Switch and other platforms as well. But... Yeah, Game Pass, man. It's just so great to be able to play any of these yeah. games whenever you want. I,
1: I would love to play this. I will probably have to play it on Switch because I'm a Sony bro, not an Xbox <laughs> or PC bro. So, sorry, bros. Um, but when I do play it, this very much seems like it is something up my alley. I love this sort of... Um... Oh, yeah, you'll
0: eat it up. Oh, <laughs>
1: like that, like the monster. You'll eat it up like a scientist. Yeah, I do. I love the... I mean, because carry-on is like a word for like road killer, like just mm-hmm. dead things on the side of a road. So, like, that, that's the title of the game, like... You are the carrion, and or is the, or is the, you know, or are the people the carrion, or are the people the carrion, exactly? I love wow. it. We live in a society, <laughs> we sure do, don't we? <laughs> Eric, what's your number five game of the year? Uh, my number five game of the year uh, is uh, not really a game, this is uh, more of an experience that I had this year. Uh, I'm talking about uh, The Under Presents The Tempest. Um, have I told you about this one
0: before, Lawrence? I think you have, but jog my memory.
1: Um, so this was, a uh, listener, earlier this year, um, I invested in an Oculus Quest, a VR headset, um, for the first time. I was very excited. Uh, I'm
0: so excited. I'm getting one so soon, and ye, I cannot wait are, to I'm dive so into exciting. VR. Anyways, Can't wait continue. to play
1: VR games with you. Um, but, you know, one of the major tragedies this year, you know, in regards to the pandemic, um, economically, you know, health-wise, it was a tragedy. Um, but theaters were also shuttered. That was a big... Especially coming from my background and your background, we both, mm-hmm. you know, have theater acting training. And so um, to have that art form be so strangled and stifled this year when we couldn't gather in groups, it was really hard. So what The Under Presents The Tempest is this is um, a sort of theater company that has sprouted out of the pandemic. Um, what, what this company, The Under, did is they basically have um, found a way to you know do an abridged version of shakespeare's the tempest but in vr like put it in a play setting um uh, basically so the the software is free but you pay 15 bucks um to enter for the tickets, this game yeah. yeah like tickets you pay you pay for a ticket to to go into this game at a certain time and what happens when the show starts is you are um you you and i think up to five other people who in game just appear sort of these like ghostly you know cloaked black you know hooded figures um with no real defining features all of everyone, I think when I did it, there were two other people. It was a small audience, me and two other people, and one actor. The show is just one actor, but oh, wow. you are you are teleported into, you know, this animated um, CGI sort of backyard space. And, you know, I had this woman who literally started the show, was like, hey, welcome to The Tempest. This is a VR thing. You know, they're very forward about, like, this is an experiment that grew out of COVID, but we wanted to put on this show and show you how... You know, theater can still exist and we can still find a way to, you know, push this art form forward, even when we can't do it in the way that we've been used to. Um, And it's about a 40 minute show of this one actor sort of, you know, telling us the story of The Tempest. But because we're in VR and we're all connected, you know, there's tons of interactivity in this. I think that was Mm. the thing that uh, is so exciting about this is that literally part of the show is, you know, teleporting to Prospero's study and the actor goes, all right, now in Prospero's studies, there's you know, a shoe, there's a pen in this book and I want you to go find the pen and I want you to find the book and I want you to find this and you have two minutes to explore this space, go. And then you just get the time to explore these beautifully rendered, um, animated 3D spaces. You bring her objects and when she finds the object, she, you know, it it triggers a sonnet and then this actress, you know, recites a sonnet or something from the play that has something to do with whatever object she found or, you know, we get to a wedding scene and she's, all right, well, you're playing, um, uh, oh, the characters, um, Fernand, F- Ferdinand and, um, Miranda. Like, you're playing Ferdinand, you're playing Miranda, and we're gonna have a wedding now, so I want you to go grab this person's hands in VR, and it's so crazy how I forget that I'm just standing in my bedroom with the VR headset on, but here I am having this incredible theatrical experience with other people and an actor... Um, right here, all together in one space. It was really beautiful and brilliant, and something That's that I so hope cool. they do more productions of going forward.
0: I think what really excites me about that is like it's really cool how um, how video gaming technology is expanding beyond the realm of games and exactly. into is allowing you know artists and creators to create experiences like this. Um, it's just really cool to see like how how people are going to push the hardware and the technology and create things that we've never thought were possible before. That's a very exciting concept.
1: Yeah. And that's why it's on my list. I know that it's not what you would consider a game, but it definitely, it was a social experience. It was Mm -hmm. something that allowed me to connect with people in a way that I literally haven't been able to since the pandemic started because I haven't been able to go to see a show or see a concert Mm -hmm. or yeah. And I think it, yeah, it just goes to show that I think that VR is here It's not going to be a gimmick and it's not just going to be a thing for games. It's going to, it is going to change the way that we make art in every sort of medium, not just in video games. So, uh, check it out. I know the, I think this, the Tempest is done, but I know that they are planning on doing another show in the future. So look, look for the under, um, I know you can still download the software even though there's not a show to to see anymore. Um, but yeah, check that out. That's my number five. I'm definitely
0: going to check that out once I hop into the VR space. Yeah. Um. My speaking of VR, um, this next game it's not a VR game, but it has some VR themes in it. It's cross code, which I've talked about briefly on the show before when I started playing it. When I talked about it, I was literally like two hours into the game and like I had barely experienced what the game was, but like could already tell it was something special. Um so I kind of wanted to talk about it more because I've played it more. It's also on Game Pass, and it's like the game that I've probably been spending the most of my time with on Game Pass. Um so it is like a shoot 'em up, beat 'em up RPG. Um in a pixel art style with like, um, 2d Zelda game elements. There's a lot of like dungeons in the game and puzzle solving, which is really cool. Um, it's a really gorgeous game to look at all the, all the pixel art is like super beautifully rendered. Uh, the music's amazing. Um, but talking about like the game and the story of the game itself um what's really cool is that it's a game within a game it's set within a fictional mmo in the future um and it's set within this world where um basically these um players who are playing this game within a game um are all playing in vr and vr has progressed technologically to a point where like it's indistinguishable from the real world um it's very ready player one in that way and it mm-hmm. kind of like uh, explores similar themes to Ready Player One. You know, basically, it talks about, like, in a world where VR and the real world are so um, inseparable from each other, like, what does that That'll mean? That'll never <laughs> happen. <laughs> uh, like, what does that mean for, like, the way that we interface with these worlds? Um, in CrossCode, the game takes place, like, on a, like, physical um, planet. Planet. It takes place uh-huh. on, like a, like, a continent on a d- distant moon. Um So the game kind of talks about, like, well, even though we're not real, like, we're not physically here, the world that we are on is real. And this, like, playground, as they call it, um, has been created to, you know, be a real space. Um, It also, like, goes into the ethics of, like, how we treat AI. Like, uh, if everything else Mm. about us is real, like, how are we treating these, like, computer-generated things? and. It kind of digs into that a little bit.
1: Very Matrix, very near Automata.
0: Yeah, very that. But, like, on top of that all, it's just super fun to play. Um, The writing's really clever. All the characters are, like, really, really cutely designed. Like, they're just really charming, uh, uh, really well-drawn. It's really great. I've been having a blast with it. Um, It feels like a, like, classic RPG similar to, like, um, Chrono Trigger or, like I said, like, a 2D Zelda game, but it feels super, like, fast and responsive, and it's just... A joy to play. I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it.
1: Yeah, and how many hours in it are you?
0: I'm probably like twenty hours, twenty plus hours. Ooh, into it
1: it's beefy. It's, I a could me- get it yeah, it's a that. meaty game.
0: It's uh, a meaty game. Because I'm like twenty hours into it, and like I think I'm only like halfway through it. I think the game is like around forty hours to beat. So wow.
1: And your is that on Game Pass?
0: It's on Game Pass. It's also on Switch. Um, it's. <laughs> Technically, this should have gone on my, like, not from 2020 list because the game came out on PC a couple years ago. But the reason I'm putting <laughs> it, putting it on this list is because it came out on Switch this year, and that's when I was first made aware of it. Um, And I almost bought it on Switch, but then I built a PC and, <laughs> and got Game Pass. So lucked out and saved myself 15 bucks there. But it's a great game. You should go play it.
1: Excellent. Cool. Um can I go to my my number 4? Uh,
0: please.
1: Listen, well c- uh, like literally like Lawrence just said my number 4 is not a game that came out from this year but it did come out on consoles this year hence I Listen, would be aware of it. Listeners
0: we can Listen, do whatever we want. It's our this podcast. This is our
1: podcast. We get to I decide like what game games are 2020
0: games and what games mm-hmm. are, are not are anyways continue.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh uh my number 4 game is Hypnospace Outlaw. Actually, funny enough, similar to what you were saying about CrossCode, uh, Lawrence, this mm-hmm. is a game that, you know, is very much about virtual realms and the communities you form online. This, however, Hypnospace Outlaw, this is a game, uh, came out on Steam, uh, out on Switch and consoles, uh, but it is a game set in the, uh, 1999, um, this is set, uh, uh, how can I explain this? This game is basically a simulated web browser. And I know mm-hmm. that sounds like the dumbest and boringest shit you've ever heard, uh, <laughs> but it's not. I mean, it, this game, basically the premise of Hypnospace Outlaw is that there is, um, in the year nineteen of 99, um, this company that has developed a web browser called Hypnospace, and Hypnospace is a uh, headband that you put on your head that plugs into a computer, and when you go to sleep at night uh you are basically browsing the web in your dreams now it's a very um mm. you know sci you know it's very sci-fi of the past like what did we imagine the future of you know the internet looking like you know but this was 20 years ago and the game has some very interesting things to say about the internet and um it takes a look at what the internet was doing at the sort of beginning of its life and it sort mm-hmm. of shows us the the follies that the internet took us down, and sort of the also beautiful ways that the internet can bring people together mm-hmm. um in a very prehistoric part of its life um in the game you play is basically a content moderator um for hypnospace um your job is to go into the game and basically be a detective, find people who on their web pages basically people have like these myspace esque web pages that they can decorate and put their own icons and music and things on. Your job is to go through and find copyrighted content, find things like, um, cyberbullying or inappropriate stuff, um, but the game is structured like a mystery detective game. Like, you're given very broad, like, I need you to find this one thing, but then what you end up doing is going to this person's webpage and getting a clue about a person that they maybe had a chat with on their page and then going to that page to discover a link to the page that has the illegal content and... The game goes much deeper than that. And there is a real story that does develop. It's not just you, you know, being an internet cop. There is, like, a story that devolves out of it. And the story comes from you learning about these people on these web pages. And it really tells a beautiful story about, the, like I said, at the, at the beginning of the internet's life, how were we already using it to form bonds and form connections with people mm-hmm. and otherwise that we would have never met. And But um, also,
0: like, it comes with this, like, dark side to it. There is this, yeah. like you know, dark undercurrent to the internet. And And there's a seediness to the internet and the
1: Mm -hmm. game and the game in a very clever way sort of, you know, is a prelude to that. It kind of shows how we were already going down this path even 20 years ago, the way that Mm -hmm. human nature just is. Um, I think in a very interesting way, this game also... Uh, advocates for uh, the preservation of internet history. I know that sounds super nerdy and not Mm -hmm. very interesting, but (laughs) um, the game sort of makes a case that like in the way that we look at media from our past, that it's maybe important that we look at the internet as, as an art form, as a thing where humans have congregated and created. So, so much of our civilization exists online now. Is it important for us to go back and sort of preserve these pages um, and these things that were the precursor to everything that we're living now in our current reality. I think that uh, Hypnospace is definitely a game that makes us ask those questions about, like, do we do we just let these things go forever and act like they never existed? Or do these bonds and connections matter to be, you know, preserved for the rest of time? Um so that's Hypnospace Outlaw. There's a I would love to do an actual episode on it. There definitely are queer elements to it when it comes to people meeting in ways that they would not have met otherwise uh, because of things like the internet. Uh, It's also very funny and and silly and has such a weird abstract style of humor because it's, a web browser that you mm-hmm. access in your dreams so everything about the game feels very dreamlike and it also like has a like, very
0: 90s aesthetics to it doesn't it incredible like, everything looks like a 90s web browser oh like, yeah it's very, very like
1: geocities yeah G- geocities GoDaddy style mm-hmm. um also the music's incredible you know how like you would go on myspace pages and people would attach music to their pages this mm-hmm. game has that except all of the music is made for this game and the Literally, the game sort of, like, has its own genres that exist in the world of this game. Oh, um, and so, so cool. there's, like, the, yeah, the game has its own unique music genres. It has its own, like, well, who are the pop stars in this world? Who are the rock stars in this world? And you learn all about these people. It's a very, very open world exploration, I would say, similar to the way that Outer Wilds is, in that you don't really get a lot of direction. You just kind of are let loose in this world and told to explore it and build the story as you discover it on your own, so... Hypnospace space outlaw um it's on switch uh, i recommend it on the pc because it is a game about browsing the internet so i recommend it's and on Keyboard. game pass <laughs> and it's on game pass so Lawrence can play it
0: yeah if there's one thing you should take away from this conversation dear listener it's like girl get a pc or an xbox and get game pass because that's the move it's like literally the best deal in gaming anyways i'm not going to shill for microsoft they're not they're not paying me anything for this <laughs>
1: But they might. <laughs>
0: but they might. Hey, what's up? Um greatest was...
1: review on iTunes. We'll see. Uh anyway, uh let's move on to number 3.
0: Yeah. Um my number 3 is a game called from 2020 this time. So oh, Don't God. come for us, dear listener. Um it's called If Found. And this is a game that arguably again, like is it a video game? <laughs> it,
1: is um it? it
0: is it's not really, but it is. It's um a visual novel um So this is a game about um, it's it takes place again in the 90s um, in this like small town in Ireland. And it's about this girl named Cassio who um, has recently come out to her family as trans. And it's like coming home for Christmas. And it's kind of like a slice of life visual novel about her experience with coming out to her family and reconnecting with a group of friends and forming like forming a group of friends with uh, a little queer cohort of, of hers. And it's just this really, really quaint story. It's told the like one and only gameplay mechanic throughout the game is you are um interfacing with the game and the story through a journal that is Cassio's journal and you are erasing the pages of the book um as you read everything. So you'll read a paragraph of text and in order to get to the next paragraph of text, uh you erase that. And it brings you to like another thing or it'll take you to a letter, a letter that someone wrote you. Um, And what gets really interesting with that is like this game really makes you invested in the story and makes you invested in her life and her journey coming out as a trans woman in a really, like, small-town, homophobic, transphobic community. And so what's interesting is as you're erasing these pages, like, you come to, like, some really, like, hard moments of, like, moments that, like, where conversations just don't go well. And, like, um, there's little, like, sketches of the people that that you're talking to, um, and you have to erase the whole page. And so what was really interesting is, like, as you're erasing the page, I found myself, like... Um, like, violently erasing this person who was just, like, really shitty to her, like, quicker. Wow, I love that! Yeah, it kind of just, like, puts you in the perspective of, like, you know, going through her journal. And it's really, I think what I want to say about it is that, like, it's a really grounded approach to uh, what coming out is like. Coming out is a different story for everyone, of course. Sometimes it's messy, sometimes it's, you know, very simple for some people. Um, But, like, I think what this game really explores beautifully is, like, the mundanity that that a lot of coming out comes with like Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's not like a grand story it's just like
1: music doesn't play when you come out yeah yeah
0: yeah it's just a it's sometimes it's a moment and there's like you know there's consequences in terms of like how people treat you after the fact and like you still just have to live your life and this game does a really great job at like capturing that like slice of life aspect to it
1: yeah and it's not like a we're not trying to equate the experience of coming out as a trans person to the experience of coming out as a gay person, but uh, what's great about games like this is that they give an audience the ability to, you know, simulate what that experience is like for some people. Um, You know, it's a very, you know, a very strong argument for like the power of like games to uh, instill empathy in people, you know, giving people the ability to have an experience uh, and live it, you know, they otherwise wouldn't have a way to do that.
0: So, I love that. Also, the, the art style, as I alluded to, is really gorgeous. It's all hand-drawn, but, like, a lot of it's painted with, like, these really neon colors. There's also, like, this, like, B-plot that takes place in, like, outer space. And it's, like, Cassio's like, alter ego of, like, her as this, like, space explorer trying to stop this, like, big calamity from happening. And, of course, that kind of thematically ties back into, like, the story that's happening here. It's got some really gorgeous music, too. Like, it has, like, a traditional, like, Irish hymn that plays at the end of the song and, like, some really cool, like, rock music, it's just really, really great. And yeah, it kind of just like this really talks about dealing with homophobia and transphobia and dealing with heartbreak as a queer person and just like the general sense of like ennui as a person in your early 20s. Um, and yeah, it's a tearjerker too. When it, it only takes about three hours to play through the entire uh, visual novel. But at the end of it, you've really grown attached to the characters that um, this story is told. So. Yeah, it's just a highlight. I only played this game a couple weeks ago, and it's just, like, as soon as I finished it, I, I was just, like, left breathless. It's really, really great. Wow,
1: um, I'm bummed. I I wanted to play this before, but I didn't get a chance to, but I definitely am going to check this out, Yeah, you know, in, in the new year, and I, I'm sure we will have an episode about this. This definitely seems... Like, we we made a podcast for games like this, right, Lawrence? so we yeah, can talk absolutely. about this Yeah, absolutely. This is 100% oh, a game okay.
0: that is worth uh, a full cool. spoiler-filled discussion, so... And
1: I am going to check this out!
0: Yeah, and listen or play it now so that we don't feel bad about <laughs> diving into spoilers once we do a proper episode about it. Uh, but yeah, it's on Switch, it's also on uh, PC, um, and I think, like, I think it might be on phones, too? I don't know, I might be bloviating... Uh, I do believe yes,
1: because I remember I was gonna, I wanted to play it on mobile, but it's only on iOS and it's not Android again. Oh, Ooh, Girl, foiled! Switched to an iPhone already.
0: I don't no, know what you're doing.
1: I like doing illegal stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> illegal stuff such as having ugly fonts when you post <laughs> Instagram stories on our page. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving I'm that shit to you then.
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway, can we move on to our next?
0: To yeah, you're my number three. three yes.
1: Yep. So uh, my number three. This is actually the uh, second of two VR experiences that are on my uh, game of the year list. This was the year for VR, Lawrence. Um, I wouldn't say it's like come into its prime, but I definitely feel like this is this is the year where people sort of went, oh, VR is like not a fad. VR is it's here, it's here. Yes, it's gonna it's change. Day. It's like we said. It's gonna change the industry. It's gonna change art as a whole. Um, my my number three game that I'm gonna talk about is Half Life Alex. Um, mm-hmm. which I have been looking forward to this game for so long. Um, I know that the Half-Life series is one of my favorite game series, um, for as long as I can remember, Half-Life 2 was one of the first, uh, mature gaming shooters that I ever played, so the series has a special place in my heart for that. Um, they also just hold up incredibly well, I think, the lore, the gameplay, um, every game in the series is known for, like, pushing the medium of games forward, and so, when they finally announced there's going to be a new half-life game after what the last release was 13 years ago um and we mm-hmm, and wow. the community had all but agreed that there was never going to be another half-life game a half-life 3 a half-life anything so so when valve um comes out of you know left field last year with we have a new half-life game coming out and it's going to be for VR um uh, I was quaking, um, and it was one of the big reasons why I got a VR this year. Um, it, it definitely is the killer app, in a way, for a lot of people to finally take the step into VR, like like me. Um, mm-hmm. So this game is, like I said, uh, it is a Half-Life game set in VR. It is a prequel to the Half-Life games. It is not set... Um, it is not set anywhere past where the last game left off. It is... Um, if you take the control of the character Alex who was one of the the side characters in Half-Life 2 um a couple years before the events of Half-Life 2 um you are set in the same City 17 setting as um the original Half-Life 2 was set uh, and uh
0: and it's like a uh futuristic sci-fi uh futuristic sci-fi yeah, yes if
1: you don't know Half-Life 2 it's basically you know aliens
0: yeah, I've never played a half oh like that, so I, I um, have no Yeah,
1: aliens. Aliens have come to Earth. There was a cataclysmic event that, you know, the, the, the protagonist of the series, Gordon Freeman, sets off a cataclysm that brings aliens to Earth. And the second game is you sort of going into stasis and coming back a couple years later after the invasion has happened and sort of seeing the way that, because um, they're called mm-hmm. the Combine, has taken over. And, um, you know, it's, it's a really great game. The characters are iconic. The aesthetic of the game is iconic. And um, this VR game is the best VR game that I've played, Lawrence. I mean, the Half-Life is known for sort of being uh, a great series when it comes to environmental puzzles and storytelling. Um, so when you're mm-hmm. going into half-life in vr and now rather than you know pointing your mouse at a thing and picking it up it's you literally have to reach out with your hand pick up an object
0: with your physical actual Um, hand
1: literally the act of loading a gun in this game becomes the most stressful thing you've ever done because in most games loading a gun is just pressing a button to reload in this game it's pressing a button so the clip falls out and then reaching behind you grabbing clip putting it in pulling the safety off and then pointing the gun and then continuing whatever you were just doing and to have a game that, you know, makes you think about that thing that for your whole life in gaming has just been a single button. I mean, it's just, I mean, I was, I literally, it's, what's so amazing to me about VR is that the way that it engages your entire body. The way that this game makes me sweat, Lawrence. I'm, you know, literally I'll be playing this game and I'll be like, you know, crouched over, like trying to like reach my hand up so I can grab something from underneath like a cupboard or something um
0: that's wild yeah i haven't played this game but i've heard about like the level where um there is like a monster who like reacts to sound oh, yeah. and so you have to like cover your mouth physically oh, i just covered yeah. my mouth so you so have to be silent you, you, so you, But yeah you have to be silent so you have to like physically cover your mouth to like get past this monster and it also means and not bumping obviously...
1: into things as you're walking through the environment or mm-hmm. you know the regular way of inventory searching is like you know you find a cluttered shelf and you push the things on the shelf out of the way until you find the thing that you want um and, th- and just, it's it's stuff that just has always felt so natural and simple in games. Suddenly in VR, you realize, oh, this would actually be incredibly physically exhausting because now I'm doing it. And uh, mm-hmm. and it's, it's scary, Lawrence. I'm sorry. It's a very scary game. It's very, yeah. very stressful, has lots of zombies, has lots I, of darkness and sound. Yeah.
0: I'm committing some clownery because, like I said, I'm getting a VR headset soon. And I've purchased this game because I plan to mm-hmm. play it um even though i fully know i'm going to shit my damn pants playing it I, it looks so scary the fucking head crabs like uh-huh. literally jumping at mm-hmm. my head that's going to like throw me back mm-hmm. i am not prepared for it <laughs>
1: yes all of the things are gonna happen and i'm so excited for you but because it's because it's a because it's an incredible experience unlike anything you've ever done before
0: exactly yeah. that, that's why i want to play it uh regardless of of uh my scaredy catness. cool
1: yeah so i recommend it um i recommend it for the story too i'm not going to get into it um there's a lot in this half-life lore that this game does that is really cool and interesting but i don't want to talk about it here i mostly just wanted to talk about you know this game sort of uh, uh succinctly taking everything that's great about vr in the last couple years of developing the technology and finally putting it into a AAA experience that pays off um i think it's incredible
0: yeah it's interesting I think this is the last game in our list that, like, um, kind of deals with this theme. But I, th- it's interesting looking at a lot of the games on our list and how a lot of them have to do with um, w- where, techn- where video game technology is going to go, where VR is going to push us, where um, the Internet in general is going to push us. I think that's really interesting uh, looking at this year as a whole and what gaming did. Um, it's very future focused and very about, like, where are... Um, Where are these video gaming technologies going to take us next in terms of gameplay, in terms of storytelling? Um, Yeah, very cool to see how like, it's kind of like we're on the precipice of a new um, moment. And and this uh, is the
1: year for that kind of stuff. This is that year of reflection of, you know, sort of looking at the technology that we have right now and going, okay, well, we really, I mean, if if we didn't have the internet or like mobile phones, and this was a pandemic happening, like, what would we have done?
0: yeah i mean you and i wouldn't be doing this podcast now. Right. like i'm staring at you on zoom right now over a no. little screen and so like we've just connected so deeply on a virtual level throughout this year um it's interesting to see how the collective consciousness is going to take that um take this experience of this year and push it forward into the art that they create and the experiences that we create going forward
1: i'm looking forward to it i wish the circumstances weren't Ooh. so awful
0: but <laughs> yeah. i had some fun playing games this year though and, and not like yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to celebrate that. No, no. <laughs> you know no, what no. I mean. Just, I just think it's interesting to like look at. You know, Ugh, I'm never going to be one of those people who's like, oh, think of all the great art that's going to come out of COVID. Absolutely. Mm, fuck. That. No, but
1: <laughs> but uh, but it's uh, uh, technology has sort of had to develop um, quicker than I think yeah. it would have had we not had a year like this. I don't think that's necessarily a good or a bad. It's more of a necessity of you know, technology is rapidly accelerating for better or for worse, yeah. and I think this year we saw it accelerate even faster than we could have ever imagined, and, you know, mm-hmm. fortunately games are better this year because of it, but that's not, you know, I'm not thankful, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's all I have to say about Half-Life Alex, um, Check it out if you can. I'm, uh, I'm actually not even playing this on my own VR headset. I'm playing this on my friend's VR headset who has a computer that can run this game, whereas mine cannot run this game.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, yeah, Oculus Quest 2 is like a standalone VR headset, yeah. but Half-Life Alex is not available on the Oculus No, no, no. But you yet.
1: can but you can plug in through Oculus Link, plug in your Oculus mm-hmm. 2 gaming computer if you have one that can handle VR games. Unfortunately, neither mine nor either of my roommates could do it, so... Thankfully, I have friends who have the technology that I can.
0: But mine does. <laughs>
1: Lawrence <laughs> does. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for you to play this game, Lawrence. I'm really excited. Me too. All right. Um, That's all I have um, to say. All
0: right. My number two game of the year is a lovely, lovely, beautiful game called Spiritfarer. Hey! Um, man, this is a, another game that was a tearjerker. Um, hit me right in the feels, as the kids say. Mm.
1: Oh, yeah, because <laughs> the kids that. are saying that still.
0: Yeah, all the kids are saying it. I've heard lots of Gen Zs say it. So, you know, we're very, we're very cool. Lawrence
1: and I are both pushing 55. I don't know if you've ever said that on the podcast before.
0: (laughs) Anyway, Spiritfarer. It is a uh, management sim game uh, that is about death. (laughs) So you are, um, you play as this young girl named Stella, who um, is whisked away into um, the afterlife. And the game opens with you meeting uh, Charon, the um you know the ferryman of the river styx um charon comes up to you and he's like hey i'm retiring so um take my job and you do you take over his job as the spirit farer and you go across this little ocean um collecting wayward spirits um who all used to be human um it should say it should be said uh and like um and helping them cross over into the afterlife and their spirits present as like these animals these anthropomorphic animo- animals so it's very animal crossing in that way But yeah, it's basically you run this ship, you gather materials, grow crops, give your passengers food to make them happy, improve the ship as it goes on. And then as you're playing, you're like uncovering more stories about each of these passengers and they're telling you about like their life and kind of reflecting on, you know, the things they're still holding on to. And you're a silent protagonist. So you're just kind of listening to these stories and just like being there with them. And eventually there comes a point at each uh, with each of the passengers where they go like, okay I'm ready I'm ready to move on and you take them to like the gate where they pass on to the next world and it's I'm getting chills thinking about it right now it's um it 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 hits every single time it really more than any other game this year made me think about mortality and made me think about death as something not to be afraid of but something to eventually accept because guess what dear listener we're all gonna die one day (laughs) surprise um and in and, and a game that has been uh or sorry in a year that has been so fraught with a lot of death we've you know all had death on our minds uh for me even before covid i had a couple of deaths in the family that um really impacted me um at the beginning of this year it really um it really comforted me and reminded me that like Regardless of what's out there, whether you know we turn into animals and, and travel with a young girl in her boat after we die, or you know something else entirely, it's about appreciating the moments that we have in life and um and learning to let go of whatever it is that has caused us pain and and it just really helped me reflect on that and so I'm really thankful to this game for that. Um, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous game. All of the animation is like um a hand-drawn animation art style
1: you play this this cute little black girl with like a cat sort of you know familiar with her yeah
0: and yeah one of the main mechanics too in the game is like you can like go up to your passengers anytime and give them a hug and each hug animation is like individually animated (laughs) for each passenger and it's so sweet the music is so quaint and just peaceful and yeah it's a game that kind of left me breathless in a lot of ways um it's 100% 100 worth I'm,
1: checking out, Lawrence.
0: You literally got me
1: this game for my birthday earlier this year, and um, mm-hmm. I really, I really do want to get into it. I think, I think, um, life management sims with cute animals like all, one of those already took my attention this year. Um, yeah. So. Um, as much mm-hmm. as I played it and I liked it, I just sort of went, you know, I have a, another game that's sort of occupying my time That's right yeah, now. Yeah,
0: occupying that space uh, right now. Uh,
1: and, but I will I will get into it, I promise, because it absolutely does seem like my kind of game. It seems very Stardew Valley, very Harvest Moon, Animal Crossing. Yeah, very um, I think I just have to um, sort of get my fill of the other ones that are <laughs> a little more pression yeah. right now.
0: So listen, if you've played Animal Crossing and you want to think a lot about death... Mm-hmm. This is the game. If for Animal you.
1: Crossing didn't have enough death for you, check out Spirit Fair. Yeah. That's Lawrence's recommendation.
0: hmm Except you remember that part in Animal Crossing when Tom Nook comes up to you and he tells you about like um all of his deepest regrets in life and mm-hmm. <laughs> And the traumas that he wishes he could. Oh release. yeah, and
1: then and then um and then he gets a visit from like his former business partner, who was like, "You're going to be visited by three ghosts tonight." Um, <laughs> Ebenezer <laughs> Nook. Actually, I would love to see an Animal Crossing Christmas Carol with Tom Nook as Scrooge. That, that would, be would be so, so cute.
0: Oh my gosh, me and uh, me and my friend Becca, we are. Oh, I don't know. Oh, this will go up on Christmas yeah. Eve, so we'll have done it by then. But we're planning a like surprise Christmas thing in Animal Crossing for our friends, where we like put on a like Animal Crossing stage production of a Christmas Carol. What? Um, yeah, we're gonna like uh, get different wand costumes and like um, put on like a miniature like a miniature version of Christmas oh, Carol that's for our friends. So cute. I, can't wait.
1: <laughs> Aww.
0: I hope we've done it. Otherwise, I've spoiled it. Right. Yeah, so,
1: tell me, and um, I'll take this out, or else you know, yeah. surprise.
0: Anyway, Spiritfarer, it's really great. It's on Switch. It's also on. Guess what? Game Pass. <laughs>
1: oh bitch that's the real the mvp of 2020 is the game pass
0: literally yeah it's it's everything um all right eric what's your number two game of the year all right i
1: feel like i've had to caveat every single one of my games because i have to say uh my number two game is technically a game that came out this year but it is also technically a sort of uh, what would you call it, a remaster? Not even really a remaster or a re.
0: Like a definitive the version. The definitive like,
1: version. I'm talking about, yeah. uh, of course, I'm talking about Persona 5 Royal.
0: Wake up, get, get up, out get there. out there.
1: Uh, oh my God, Lawrence. Um, I mean, funny enough, I mean, I played the original Persona 5 when it came out back in 2016? 17? 17. Back in uh, 2017. It was like that golden year of games. And uh, mm-hmm. I think. After Breath of the Wild, that was probably my second game of the year that year. Um, So to have this game, you know, which is ostensibly Persona 5 Royal is, you know, a definitive edition. It's basically the base game Persona 5 from 2017, but with...
0: Which, if you don't know, is a uh, Japanese turn-based RPG where you play a um, high schooler who also fights demons. Yes. um,
1: (laughs) There's a lot more to it than that. Uh, It's one of those if-you-know-you-know kind of games, because if this is something you like, oh my god, you would know already Mm -hmm. because... Persona I mean the whole entire Persona series but specifically Persona 5 just has like some of the best video game music it's very jazzy it's set in Tokyo so it's very like hip modern jazzy Um, it Mm -hmm. has uh, incredible gameplay it has an art style um, a UI style um, user interface menu stuff that is unlike any other game I've ever played.
0: It's so stylish. A game
1: that was close to perfect when it came out three years ago that now is, like, even closer to perfection and might just be actual perfection in a video game. Lords mm-hmm. Persona 5 Royal um, has, uh, I think, an extra, you know... 50 to 100 plus hours of new story content on top of the original story content from the base game that's there. Which, it's already like which is already like 100 hours. Which is already 100 plus hours. I think last <laughs> I checked, I'm at like 132 hours and I'm still not done with this wow. game. I am still oh I am still in the main game. I still have not gotten the credits of this game. Oh, you're
0: not to the extra content yet? No, I'm in the extra content now. Oh, okay, no, yeah. So stuff, basically, but... yeah.
1: So you... This game is Persona 5, you play up to the end of Persona 5, and then, you know, there's an extra 50 to 100 hours of story content that's only in this one, that's what I'm in the middle of. I'm at 132 hours, and I've been playing yeah, this game uh, since around when it came out, like, back in, like, June, I want to say? Like, maybe I started this at, like, the beginning of July, but, like, the fact that I've been playing this on and off consistently for months now, and I still don't even think I'm close to the end of this game. It's just... I mean, just for the sheer amount of content in this game, I mean, I it is a game that I have already given so much time to when it came out a couple of years ago that I'm just giving more time to, but it's because I love the world so much. I love the yeah. characters. I love the world building in this game. I, Like I said, I love the style. I love, you know, the modern day recreation of Tokyo that you get to explore in this game. Um, I think it has a really fun story about you and your friends basically being superheroes and taking on bad guys and you know being the the justice bringers and the truth finders of the world it's it's a very yeah what
0: i really if i can say like what i really love about this game which i've also played i haven't i've almost beat the original persona 5 and have played a good amount of persona 5 royal but like eric like you said it's about like you and your like high school buddies like taking on these like really corrupt adults and like there's something just so satisfying in a game where er, in a year and years where our um our government has been so shitty and corrupt and horrible to like you know even just in a video game uh, kind of like uh bring some retribution and uh and you make
1: the bad you guys know, pay Find some yeah. justice yeah especially i think that's a big part of why this game you know why i'm mm-hmm. talking about it now is like the the themes of this game hold true in this year more than any other year um yeah it's a it's it's very fun it's very silly um you know in the in the typical jrpg style you go from like fighting your teacher to killing god like the way that the game scales in terms of like yeah. how powerful you are in this game and how powerful the enemies you're taking on are
0: But what's so cool is, like, I mean, there are these, like, crazy dungeons and demons that you fight. But, like, that's half of the game. And the other half of the game, as we've alluded to, is just, like, you're living a normal life as a, like, Japanese high schooler in Tokyo. And, like, you get to, like, explore the city. You get to make your own schedule. Am I going to hang out
1: with my friends? Do my homework? Am I going to date? The game has, like, some strange dating element sims to it. Um... I mean, yeah. it, it just has everything. It has it has such a good um. I'll I'll even say in a year where it felt like I didn't have a routine or a schedule very much because I wasn't leaving my house. In this game, this game is all about like how to manage your time and like oh no, I just have too many things to do. How am I going to prioritize like what I do when? Um, and that kind of you know similar to I think what Animal Crossing did for a lot of people this year, Persona Five Royal kind of did for me. I think um even though it's not my number one game this is absolutely the game i put the most time into because of that element that just made me feel like i was living my real life even though the other half of the game is you know like you said fighting demons and taking on monsters and stuff
0: um we're also yeah this is a game that we're definitely gonna have a full episode on it pretty soon Mm. sooner than you think i think early 2021 expect a full game about persona 5 royal because (laughs) hopefully you
1: or i will have actually beat this game by then (laughs)
0: oh we'll see uh but this is a game that has a lot of like queer content but like not necessarily in the best way so i think we'll talk about the shortcomings of this game uh in our full episode and
1: i should mention i don't know if i mentioned this before but persona 5 it's the fifth game in the series but every game like final fantasy is a new setting with new characters there are Mm -hmm. there are elements that carry on and themes and definitely like the the combat systems are are sort of similar but if you've never played a persona game before Five is a great place to start. It's the first one that I've played. Um, I do want to go back and play, you know, four and three. Um, But if you Mm -hmm. want a, you know, really cool, fun JRPG fighting game similar in a style to Pokemon, um, check out Persona 5. Uh, Royal, I think definitely Royal over the base game at this point, I would say.
0: I, yes, but here's a caveat. So this game is a PlayStation exclusive. I agree with you. I think Persona 5 Royal is the definitive game version of the game to get. But if you have a PlayStation 5, if you are one of those... And <laughs> if you're not a poor. You ha- <laughs> if you're not a poor and you have a PS5, uh, and you have a PlayStation Plus, which is like the online subscription service for PlayStation users... The original Persona 5 is free. Oh! So, like, yeah, it's, like, um, it's free to play and download. Um, So, like, if you want to, like, check out the game, I think the base Persona 5 game is still a really, really great game. Uh, Persona 5, like Eric said, like, really polished a lot of, like... The this, royal the version of it. Kind of technical shortcomings technical shortcomings of the original but like the original it's the same story same story Um, same game lots of lots of
1: gameplay updates lots of things in the combat are tweaked which i think are like the most significant changes um and it's more fun i mean i i recommend it because i think the combat changes that they make in this game make the game more fun to play but yeah if you if you're in games for the stories more than the games which i know a lot of people are um then five will do just fine
0: yeah and i mean if you're strapped for cash and just want to check out the game like but yeah
1: that's my number two are you ready to uh move on
0: uh yeah let's take a quick break and then when we come back we are going to talk about our number one kind of yeah sort of you'll see (laughs) all right so real quick before we move on uh we did get a few submissions from our listeners we asked you guys what some of your favorite games of the year were and you let us know um, so, my friend Elijah, they say, Hades, hands down, is their game of the year, but also much love to the Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC. Um, I really love this, too. Um, I played... I mean, I've talked about my love of Pokemon on this podcast, and I've also talked about how, like, Sword and Shield weren't my favorite games, but I really like this DLC. It added a lot of new Pokemon, cool new worlds. I had a lot of fun with it. So, yeah. And Hades... Well, yeah. Well, Yeah. Well, well, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this was the the Pokemon DLC that finally let you catch and cook them and eat them?
0: Uh yes, yeah. Um core mechanics of the game in order to get through the DLC. Finally, God, we've been waiting game free. You. you have to cook every single Pokemon that you can. <laughs> Delicious. Uh we have another
1: comment here from uh Connor Marsh. He says, uh, Last of Us Part Two, but since neither of you have taste, runner up is the pathless. <laughs> Thanks, Connor.
0: Uh, Thank you, Connor. I will say,
1: I have it. I have Last of Us 2, as of just a few days ago. Uh, I am going to play it. Um, I know Lawrence and I have, have dogged on it before, uh, mm-hmm. and it's funny. We love it. We love to dog on things, but uh, maybe we should play it. Uh, so it's installed. I'm going to check it out finally, and uh, we are going to do an episode on this game, Lawrence. I promise you we'll yes, do an absolutely. episode on this soon. Yes, and-
0: absolutely. Connor Marsh, I cordially invite you to come on and uh, talk about it and explain to me, a, a mean, vicious gamer, why this game's good, actually. <laughs> okay. Bring your fists, honey. Um, similarly, my friend Josh says Last of Us Part 2 again, who doesn't want to retire with your partner on a farm with your kid. Listen, That's I know. That's not what I know, the game's about, though. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, it's. Listen, I know it's very gay and uh, there's um, much to be discussed with Last of Us Part 2. It's just. We'll talk about it, but yeah. uh, And lastly, we have a comment from our dear friend, Aurelia Grierson. Animal
1: Crossing New Horizons, because I'm mentally ill. Sis, who is it? Yes,
0: I know. And what a perfect game for uh, those of us who lack serotonin. (laughs) Anyways we'll talk about more of these games uh, in a couple minutes but thank you so much listeners for sending us your thoughts. Um thank you thank you. If you ever have more thoughts, email us at playPod, and we'll read them in the future even though, you know, game of the year will have come and passed by then, but we always want to hear what you have to say about some of your favorite games. All right, cool. And now back to the episode. All right. All right. So the time has come. We are going to announce our game of the year. Yes. For the 10th year in a row, it's DJ Hero. <laughs> oh, congratulations to DJ Hero. Oh, it's actually I'm so Eric, I'm getting I'm getting an envelope right now from my uh-huh. producer. He says it is It's the album Emotion <laughs> by Carly Rae Jepsen. It's the game of the congratulations, year. Congratulations, <laughs> Carly. Congratulations, Carly. Wow, that was so exciting. Um, wow. So thank you for listening. No, no we're just okay. kidding. Um, <laughs> um, here, here it is. Um, our game of the year is drumroll.
1: It's three games.
0: <laughs> it's three games. It's a three-way tie. <laughs> Listen, I just have to say, um, the idea of placing one thing above anything else is a capitalist trap. Mm-hmm. The idea of ranking things in patriarchy, a list is, patriarchy, and we are not going to stand for it. So we were. If we were looking at our list originally, these next three games were like collective, were each on our top five list as the top mm-hmm. three, and we were like, "Well, if it's the top three, if our top three, why don't we just? What like... if
1: we just, yeah, sort of had a collective game of the year in a way? Yeah. Uh, and in a way, we sort of looked at these three games and went, "Wow, these are kind of. I think you and me, Lawrence, both agree. These are all three kind of my games of the year, but for different reasons. And so I yeah. think it actually. One, it's our podcast and we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. Uh, and mm-hmm. two, I think all of these games have reasons to be game of the year in their own ways and comparable to the other ones that we picked. So let's get into it.
0: Without further ado, do we want to say what they are first? Yeah. I think so. Since we're not like, let's give them equal yeah. weight. Um, so in alphabetical mm-hmm. order, since we are being fair, wait, I have to... E-F-G-H. Okay, <laughs> got it. <laughs> Ah, that was funny. It's that F and the H. F and H, I never know.
1: <laughs> all right, we're talking about. Well, anyways. Alphabetically
0: <laughs> Animal Crossing, New Horizons,
1: Final Fantasy VII Remake, and. One, two, three
0: Hades! Yeah, all three of these games. These are all like three said, my game of the year, Lawrence. So good. Uh, Let's start with Animal Crossing, yeah? Yeah,
1: Yeah, and also, notably, we've already done episodes on Animal Crossing New Horizons and the Final Fantasy VII Remake, hence why we didn't want to dedicate a whole segment. We thought we'd share the pie with Hades and kind of put all three of these in one together. Um, But yes, starting with Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons, this is my, I mean, definitely my social game of the year. This was, like, Mm -hmm. the game, I mean, I think it literally came out, like, only days after the first lockdown of covid All the way back in March of 2020. Um, Mm -hmm. And this game just exploded. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah. I think you said that exact sentence in our episode. (laughs) It just
1: exploded. Animals. Those animals just exploded all over the place. They
0: do. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, we talked a lot about Animal Crossing in our episode about it, of course. But I think um, what I didn't expect when we recorded that back in April is that, like, it would still be a social experience for me. Not in, like, the grandest scope that it is today. But, like... I still have a group of friends that I play Animal Crossing with, like, weekly. Uh, And we still visit each other's islands and help each other trade trade items and collect furniture from each other. And, like, it's become a social space. Again, we were talking about, like virtual spaces becoming real um social spaces and that's exactly what this game has done and continues to do for me
1: um literally like when i'll bring a friend over to my island and we'll go shop for clothes at the able sisters and i'm like i literally feel like i'm at the mall with my friends right now just trying on clothes like watching my friend come out of the dressing room i'm like what other game in 2020 is gonna recreate this like in a way that actually makes me feel like this is close to the real thing like animal crossing Mm -hmm. just did it for me um, I'm And I'm getting back into it. Um, yeah, it's been interesting. I was gonna say. It's been interesting to watch it. Like, yeah, I would say I'm definitely not as social. I know back in the beginning, I like had my gates open all the time. I was telling people on Twitter, come over. I'm definitely like keeping to myself a lot more, but I'm rearranging my island still. I'm still bringing in new villagers. I'm still redecorating. We're in the holiday season now. There's tons of holiday content. The game has kept going yeah. and the game, I think they've done a great job at. You know, not not keeping so much away from release, but, like, sort of trickling, like, holiday features, or here's a holiday character, or here's a summertime thing that you didn't have in the spring. Um, they're doing mm-hmm. a great job with the rollout, even, you know, coming into the holiday season.
0: Uh, we talked a little bit in our original episode about how this game is great for diversity and, like, allowed you to, like, uh, change your skin tone and allow for, like you know, a character that really represents you. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's, that I really enjoyed is that in um, the most recent update, they added a lot of black hairstyles nice. to the game. Uh, they added a bigger afro, which is perfect. because like, <laughs> Your hair's only gotten, already, gotten like, bigger. Sh- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't gotten a haircut since uh, since before lockdown. So, like, <laughs> I was able to, like, you know, fully represent my hair journey. But, yeah, so it just continues to be a game that feels inclusive and wonderful and... Eric, like you said, even though it isn't as big of a like, you know, social experience anymore, even though I do have friends that I play it with still, uh, it has just kept that sense of being like a therapeutic, you know, virtual garden for me. It's like something where, you know, if I ever want to listen to a podcast and just kind of like tune out from, you know, the horrors of the now (laughs) for a bit, I'll like just go redecorate something and, and, you know. Listen to some music.
1: That's literally what I did today. I think I told you last night. I was like, I'm gonna play some play some games I haven't <laughs> played yet in 2020, just so I can really make sure do some
0: hardcore research. And then for this I episode. literally I
1: played Animal Crossing in Hades until we recorded today. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's exactly what I do. I put on a podcast and I and I go into Animal Crossing and I go, oh, I should have I should clean up these weeds or I should rearrange some furniture in this room. I'm gonna you know <laughs> put on mm-hmm. some other video game podcast talking about Animal yeah. Crossing and then be in Animal Crossing. It's great.
0: It's great. Yeah. Also, if you've fallen off of this game, which is totally understandable, a lot, a lot of you're people You're not have, wrong. You like,
1: can't play Animal Crossing wrong. That's what I love about it.
0: Yeah. Um. If you have and you're like worried about coming back to the game because you feel like your villagers will hate you or your island will be like a disaster. They might. It, it might be a little bit of a disaster in terms of the weeds, but like... I think we talked about this in the OGF too like your villagers will forgive you it's like not that kind of game where there's like permanent stakes um it's worth jumping back into it's a vibrant community and a very just lovely game and that's why it takes one of our number one spots here right.
1: um yeah do you want to move on to our number not 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 our number two but our number not our number, our number one Another...
0: parenthesis number two yes um which is I guess let's keep going alphabetically let's talk again about Final Fantasy 7 Remake oh. <laughs> it's Final Fantasy 7 F F Final Fantasy
1: (laughs) Uh, Um, I mean we did we literally the episode not I mean we had a mini Christmasy episode but the episode just before this is the remake so I really don't feel like I have much more to say listen to that to get our like true heartfelt feelings on why this game is good but
0: it's still good listening back to the episode we talked so thematically about the story and the world and you know the queer aspects of it and we kind of at the end were like oh yeah it's also a fun game it's fun to play <laughs> so no. i kind of want to touch on that a little bit more um yeah like the original final fantasy 7 was a turn-based rpg so it was just like hit attack or hit what spell you want to do or hit what item to use. Uh, In this game, in this remake, it's an action RPG. So everything is like real time, but still mixed with like turn-based elements. Similar to Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, um, similar to Kingdom Hearts, yeah. But yeah, each of the like four party members that you play in this game, uh, Cloud, Barret, Tifa, and Aerith, like all play super differently. Cloud is like this fighter with a really weighty, massive sword that he uses. Uh Barrett uses his gun arm to like shoot enemies from a distance. Aerith is like your main healer and spellcaster. And Tifa is essentially like the Bayonetta.
1: <laughs> like yeah.
0: Bayonetta with iron knuckles, um, where she just like, you know, beats everything up. Um and yeah, everything just feels so um
1: Yeah, and, and none of those are like original character types to have in a mm-hmm. video game. But I mean, if we're talking about the gameplay itself, I just think this game to, to build on the style of the first, while not being complete, not not feeling so beholden to, we have to keep the exact same gameplay as the first one because, of course, you know games are games are better now because we've had more time, mm-hmm. and so rather than you know replicating what was there, is how can we just plus it? It's like like yeah. everything in the game. How can we how can we plus this thing? Um, yeah, remake sticks the landing incredibly well. Um, so for that reason, it's on my game of the year list. If if it were not for the incredible story and art style and um other elements we talked about you know this might be on my list anyway just because the game is so phone without all that stuff
0: yeah one other thing i want to talk about before we move on to our last game is that like we talked a bit in our episode about the what it means to be a remake uh how it's like reckoning with its problematic past and how it's um you know kind of talking about its original story in tandem with the, the new story that it's telling And I think that just really makes me excited for what this remake is going to be in the future and just Mm -hmm. more broadly, what video games are going to continue to um, tell in terms of their stories, in terms of like how they're going to talk about their past. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, I think of it like a comparison I often make to it is like a Shakespeare production. Mm -hmm. We had the original uh, Final Fantasy VII, which became just like canon in this form of media like, you know, original Shakespeare plays did. And this remake is kind of like a modern revival of that original work and is like, as any good Shakespeare production is when they, you know, set a revival Shakespeare production in a, you know, in a modern time or whatever.
1: In a in a post-apocalyptic city as they so
0: often do. <laughs> as so many Shakespeare productions do. But like really what uh, this game is doing is it's like saying, okay, what if this is the story that we are choosing to retell what aspects of it are important to highlight? What things about... Mm-hmm. In the act of remaking it, uh, what are we saying that is important? And I think that's so really cool uh, for video games to do. And sorry if that sounds super heady, but it's just like... Yeah. But, it, but
1: it's it's a good case for why it's why it's our game of the year. It's not yeah. just a game of the year because it's a fun game, but because it's a game that is commenting on itself and also sort of what the gaming industry has sort of turned into over the last couple of years because we're seeing so many remakes like the Resident Evil 2 remake or mm-hmm. the countless other remasters or remakes or re-whatever. Um,
0: Definitive versions, et cetera, this et cetera. Fi-
1: this, this Final Fantasy Seven remake is kind of the first one in a long time to come come around and go, you know, kind of like, hey guys, what the fuck are we doing here? If we're yeah. going to do this, like, let's do something. Yeah, sure, let's, let's, let's revive it if we're going to go for the Shakespeare metaphor. Let's revive it, but let's... Let's tell let's tell something different because things about this story that were not so applicable then are applicable even more now, yeah. and that's the reason. That, that's the reason why the story is worth telling. We're not we're not setting Hamlet in space just because it'd be cool to put Hamlet in space. Mm-hmm. In the same way, we're not going to remake, you know, Midgar just because it would be cool to remake Midgar, even though it totally is just so fucking cool that they did it. But um, you know, they did it for a reason and they did it with heart, and um, that's why it's my game of the year. Part, Part two. two, yeah. Um, do game you want of to the talk year remake. Our, uh, game of the year, game of the year, three, five, eight days over two. <laughs> um, should we move on to our game of the year, parenthesis number three?
0: Yes, let's. It is Supergiant's Hades, uh, which dun, we have dun, dun. each alluded to on our podcast. And trust and believe, just because we're talking about it now, of course we are going to dedicate a whole episode to it, because mm-hmm. of these three games, I think... Or, I don't know, Final Fantasy VII had a lot of queer stuff, but, like, a lot of queer content in this game.
1: In Hades, uh, And I would say, Hades, Hades, it is more actual text than subtext, which, which I is, yeah, am always happier exactly. to see. Um, this is also an indie game. It's not a AAA, you know, huge market title. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that that excuses Final Fantasy VII from not having more queer representation, but Hades is doing something totally different here. And that's yeah. why it's on this list, because it is... In the way that, you know, Animal Crossing could not be more different than Final Fantasy Remake, I don't think Hades could be any more different from ACNH or Mm -hmm. FF7R.
0: Yeah, so Eric, you talked about this in the Final Fantasy VII Remake as the game you were playing that week, but for those who didn't hear, or just a refresh for anyone who needs to hear it... This game is a roguelike um, action game. Uh, basically, you play Zagreus, who is the son of Hades, um, and he is on a quest to fight his way out of the underworld, climbing through the pits of Tartarus, the fields of Asphodel, the um, fields of Elysium, um, and he's trying to break to the surface and escape for reasons that become known to you throughout the course of the game. And it's really hard.
1: It is a roguelike meaning that every time you play it, it is a... You play through the chambers in a different order. You get different enemy yeah, types. Yeah, it's of randomly in the room.
0: generated dungeons, which which this game does really well by say, like like it um, establishes the pits of hell as like ever changing chambers. So like it ties the like yeah uh, rogue like genre into its story. Um,
1: every single thing in this game has a story explanation. Yes. I think that's one of the things that I love about this game is that it takes things in games that just seem so mechanical, like the idea of dying or the idea of like these rooms being different every time you come in and attaches an area to yeah. reason. Zagreus is actually dying when he dies. He just then rises from the pits at the bottom of hell again and has to start yeah. over um, the, sh- the chambers of hell are constantly shifting because in this game, Hades is sort of an architect of hell. That's kind of like the job he has. And so, you know, it is your dad's job as the king of hell to constantly be building new chambers and shifting things and remodeling to trap all these souls in hell for all of eternity. Like,
0: Yeah. Um, as you said, like, um, I, I think what turns a lot of people off of the roguelike genre is that, like there's a sense of failure um, in roguelike games when you lose and you're like, you were on a really good run and like, you almost made it to the end and then you died. Uh, In this game, you never feel bad about dying because dying is Zagreus is a God. He's immortal. (laughs) So like he just shows back up at his house (laughs) every time you die.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's basically leveling up, like returning to the house of hell is where you go to level up your equipment, your, your stats. It's where you can change your weapons or, whatever kind of buffs mm-hmm. you have. And oftentimes you'll be playing 80s You'll be in the middle of a run and go, oh, I just got enough jewels so I can go upgrade this thing now. And, uh-huh. like, and it makes you think, oh, I can't wait to okay, die now. Okay, first
0: queer thing that I want to talk about with this game is that Zagreus literally makes himself better by brooding in a mirror. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the game literally comments, it's like, your, the mirror made you more powerful. Or was the power <laughs> you the whole time? It's like, so it's good. Really, the- it's cheeky. This game has very lo- very silly, very cheeky dialogue. But also
0: very, it. like, really yeah. well-written dialogue, too. Like, just mm-hmm. so, so much um, voice acting. Every single line is voice acted.
1: Incredible voice acting. Some of the best voice acting yeah. in a game in a long, Absolutely. long time.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, all the characters are just, like, so compellingly written. You get to know all of the, like, gods of the underworld and um, inhabitants of the House of Hades. And also, like, the Olympian gods who, like, help you throughout your journey. Uh, as you're on a run, you'll like collect yeah. these boons, which are gifts from the gods of Olympus, who who are aiding you because they believe that your quest is to go join them on Mount Olympus.
1: Yeah, and these and these boons sort of they 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 modify your weapons and your yeah. power and your strength and everything. And, yeah, you know, that's the thing. Every time you run through the game, you get boons from different gods, and you can match boons from one god from boons from another god and get you know duo powers and mix them yeah. together. And it's just so, it's fun. so fun. I would say this is the most fun game i played this year whereas like a lot of other games that are on my list because of narrative reasons or nostalgic reasons this game it's a it's a brand new ip it uses greek gods that you know but this game hooked me because it's literally just one of those like okay one more run just one more i'm gonna do it one more time and you go for five hours like this is one of those games that i just cannot put down because i just want to keep going it's so fun
0: also as we alluded to um explicit queer content zagreus is canonically mm-hmm. bisexual um and has some queer romance options in the game um Love you can it. flirt with the you can flirt with death incarnate who is just this um sexy sexy man who is a grim reaper with a giant scythe and ripped washboard abs
1: also isn't he like technically your step brother yes way?
0: but listen all of the gods are related <laughs> it's it's okay. the olympian yeah it's
1: a very incestuous very
0: incestuous greek god i'm i'm giving it a pass
1: well, that's what I like about it. A lot, I mean, and a lot of this queerness of the game sort of comes from real history, and I'm yes. sure that we'll get into more of it when we do a real episode, but what I like about this game is like, yeah, it takes Greek gods like Zeus and Hades and Poseidon and Athena and countless others, but it the, the developers of this game attach unique identities to mm-hmm. these characters that I've never seen in any other iteration of these characters before, and some of that explicitly is the queerness of, you know, Greek mythology yeah. that has kind of been taken mm-hmm. out of it in retellings in modern one
0: notable Mm -hmm. example that we should talk about is Achilles is like a really big character in this Mm -hmm. game and just canonically he talks about like yeah um I -hmm. like I deeply miss my love Patroclus and like Mm -hmm. we loved each other in 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 the earthy realm and like it it just explores their romance without ever like clarifying or without ever asking like whoa were you guys like actually together it's like no yeah we so who's the top (laughs) and who's the (laughs) bottom they they were very much like (laughs) Achilles is like, yeah, like he's the love of my life, and I miss him dearly, and like,
1: and that's so sweet for a game to not feel like it has to go further than that because that's what hetero relationships feel like—they are so much mm-hmm. of the time. They don't require more explanation, so why should this one? Yeah, um,
0: um, and you get to explore that relationship. Um,
1: also, for fans of the musical Hades Town, there is some good Orpheus yes. and Eurydice content in this mm-hmm. game. Um, there's a very, very sweet I'm still working through it, but there's a very sweet side story about Orpheus and Eurydice that you get to slowly piece together as yeah. you play through. So it's fun for so those. Yeah, you get to well. piece
0: together the like Achilles and Patroclus storyline too. And there's just like so many narrative threads in this game. Um
1: From a roguelike game, from a genre that I feel like is so known for like having the conundrum of how do you make a story come out of yeah. a game where you're just repeating the same thing over and it over again it always works i'm
0: literally um, 60 plus hours in this game and i still just like wants to keep gosh. playing runs it's so good
1: me too literally it's i'm not i haven't beat it yet i haven't gotten to the i've gotten to the final boss but i've not beaten him but um i'm excited too and uh, yeah i feel like once i once i you know quote unquote beat this game i'm just going to keep going and it seems like the game has a lot to offer even after you quote-unquote yeah, beat it. Yeah, I've beat the game,
0: I've rolled credits, and there's still like a whole epilogue that mm-hmm. I haven't reached yet. <laughs> so it's it's fun to play.
1: Um, and I think um, if we're putting this in our top three games of the year and we're comparing it and contrasting it with the other games, I think there's something very exceptional about Hades being a game from a developer like Supergiant mm-hmm. that is not a AAA studio And yet, what this game, you know, it's on our list for 2020, but this game technically came out in 2018 but has been in early access and has had the two and a half years of, you know, being out and available for people to play on Steam that the developers have had the time to go in and really fine-tune this game and really, um, you know, sort it out in a way that I don't think they could have had they just released it as a finished product to start I feel and like move on to their next project Yeah, and move on to the next thing this game this game because of the community and the developers relationship to the community i think is the key reason why the game ended up being as good as it is and i think yeah. this game has sort of kind of you know set set the exceptional mold for how you should do this kind of game development going forward into the future if
0: i can add on to that too um if you listen to our episode last week you heard us talk about like the work uh the workplace debacle at cd project red regarding cyberpunk 2077 and in all these articles that have been written about that whole situation a lot of people have pointed towards supergiant games as like kind of the antithesis to that uh supergiant games is like not a tiny studio like it's a pretty sizable yeah indie they did studio. Um,
1: um um what were the other games
0: bastion pyre and transistor mm-hmm. this game is kind of like a culmination of like all those previous games Uh, But what I wanted to say about it is, like, they're a company that gives their employees unlimited time off. What the Um, hell? Yeah, they, like... Lawrence, um, you never
1: give me a day off.
0: (laughs) You're always stuck with me, boo. Um, uh, They also, like, um, like they ban workplace emails after, like, 5 p.m. on Fridays until, like, Monday mornings. So, like, they just have, like, a super great work environment. Um, And it shows in their product. It shows that you can make games and treat your workers ethically which what a concept wow. you know so for that it's just like i don't know it's a shining jewel and it deserves all the accolades that it's been receiving
1: excellent and uh, i'm excited to do a whole episode on it eventually uh, yeah pretty soon to too i
0: feel like we'll be able to release that episode pretty soon as well but for now we've reached the end yeah oh check, um, out, hades. Okay.
1: check out hades on steam and switch um it actually just has cross saves um as of a few days ago so Wait, really? Yeah. As of, yeah, when I checked it today, yeah, you can do cross saves on Switch. The way
0: I'm going to buy it on Switch. So if
1: you have it on Switch or PC, (laughs) if you own it both, you can transfer your files both ways. Ain't that nice?
0: Oh, that's so exciting. I'm so excited they finally released the cross save feature. Okay, Eric, I have to ask, even though I said that we weren't going to rank these, if you had to just arbitrarily assign like 3-2-1, which is your like game of the year, game of the year. I would go. This doesn't have to be concrete, but go for it.
1: I would go number three, Animal Crossing, then Final Fantasy VII, then Hades, if I had to rank Interesting. them. Yeah. What about you?
0: <sighs> it's tough. It This literally changes every five minutes for me. I think at the end of the day, it's Final Fantasy VII.
1: As number three?
0: Three. Which is wild, because before I recorded this episode, I was going to say that it was my number one. <laughs> but, but like, I'd say it's Final Fantasy VII, Hades, then Animal Crossing.
1: Ooh. Uh. That is but, that know, is not what it was. Yeah, when we talked last night about this. Yeah, it was different. I love it.
0: It wasn't. Yeah, before it was, I think, Hades, Animal Crossing, Final Fantasy.
1: Well, just goes to show how good these games are and how incomparable they are. They are, so, yeah. they are so much the masters of every genre that they are trying to take on that
0: like to say, mm-hmm. to
1: call one over the other, I just can't do it, Lawrence.
0: Yeah, it's tough. And we don't have to, so. Because it's
1: our podcast and we can do whatever the hell we want. Yay. Yeah.
0: And speaking of doing whatever the hell we want, let's get the hell out of here because we've been here forever. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, But lastly, hey, this has been a wild first couple months of our podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who's been a listener and who has supported the show so far. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's just I've received such a huge outpouring of love and support for the show. And I'm so excited to see where it goes in 2021 and beyond. And I don't know. I'm just very thankful to... You, the listeners, and to you, Eric, for endeavoring on this with me. It's just been such a joy.
1: Oh, me too. It's been so fun launching this. It's been so fun not only hearing from hearing from our friends who support us, but hearing from other people in the podcasting world just saying, like, hey, keep up the good work, you two. It's really, you know, I feel like getting getting it out there and starting is the hardest part. So now that we're out there, I'm just excited to see where this keeps going. I think we have a very yes. fun year ahead of us. I don't know what's going to happen in the world, but I think, um, on this podcast, we're going to have a good, uh, a good, uh, year. I'm excited to see. A good uh, time. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, should we set intentions for, uh, predictions or anything? So maybe our next year's Game of the Year, we should come back and go, oh, we were totally wrong about that, weren't we?
0: Ooh, um, I predict, um, uh, you go first. I have to think of something.
1: Oh, I have to think of something too. Um, oh, work. I predict that, uh, Half-Life 3, there we go. It's happening. Mm.
0: I predict a new Pokemon game that is going to be good. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in no. peace, Sword and Shield. <laughs> I like the Sword and Shield. I just talked about how I like the Sword and Shield DLC. Um, I, but I, think, I I think it's going to fix a lot of the problems that Sword and Shield has, and I'm hopeful for it. And those games are going to be remakes of um, Generation 4. There we Diamond, go. Diamond, Pearl, and Platinum. There we go.
1: I'm predicting um a fall fall guys uh crossover with um I don't know.
0: I don't know what those folks are doing. I don't. Um, <laughs> um no, I have to think of a real one. Um I don't know. I think we are good We can just be good with one each. All right. I think we're running longer already. Right All now. right,
1: fine. <laughs> I was gonna I mean, I was gonna have to think of a real one that wasn't a joke, but I don't I don't oh know. okay, well, I don't know what's I coming. Halfway through a real one. I don't know what's coming tomorrow, let alone what'll happen in the mm-hmm. gaming industry next year. This isn't Lawrence, this isn't even our jobs. I treat it like a job, but it's not our
0: jobs. Yeah. <laughs> no one asked us to do this, <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, no, but no one's asking us to stop, so <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And if you are, you know the best way to tell us how to tell us to stop? That would be to write us a review on iTunes.
1: <laughs> yeah, write us a review on iTunes. Um,
0: email hate us. Hate mail. Uh,
1: yes, you can email us at gayforplaypodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to uh, find us on Instagram or Twitter, you can find us at gayforplaypod. You can find me um, on Twitter and Instagram at ericofthesun. There's going to be underscores between all of those words.
0: And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Aferman76. My Twitter's really good, y'all. I'm really funny. Your
1: Twitter, you were on... <laughs> well, we, we, we mentioned it in our little Christmas ep, but uh, uh, you were just on um, dear friend Aurelia's podcast. Yes. Gave, uh, uh That do it for you.
0: That do it for you. Talking uh, about how so you if... haven't
1: changed your Twitter handle since junior high school and yet. Your Twitter yeah. remains one of the funniest of any of the people I know in my personal life. <sighs> and it is a crime Thank that you. you don't have more followers, Lawrence, so...
0: Thank you. I don't place value in that, but also, yes, I do. So write Lawrence a review on iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, go check out the episode. It's really great. I talk about uh, Link from The Legend of Zelda and how I had a childhood crush on him. And still kind of do. No shame in that. Also, I was just on uh, my friend Jacob's podcast, One Million Musicals uh they just released their christmas episode south pole santa claus i'm a part of the cast as a talking flying car who speaks spanish it's really funny i I didn't
1: know that part oh well (laughs) (laughs) Um, well now i definitely have
0: to hear it (laughs) it's really fun and great and i had a great time doing it um yeah that's gonna do it for us happy new year be safe yeah stay inside yeah if
1: if you are traveling if you are traveling and seeing loved ones, no shame, but, you know, you don't have to post pictures of it. But, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, very that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, be safe. Uh, we love you dearly.
1: And I love you, Lawrence. This has been a great podcast so far. I'm excited to see I where it you takes too, us. too, Eric. Very exciting. All right, well, I'm ready I'll to... Just get out of here. I will uh, talk to you later, listener and Lawrence. Okay, Bye! Bye! <laughs> Thank you for listening to Gay for Play. Our music is by Connor Marsh. Our show art is by Nick Adams. Please remember to rate and review us. Until next time, remember, you didn't have to stoop so low. Have your friends collect your records and then change your number? I guess I don't need that, though. Now you're just somebody that I used to know.